0: We're on the end.
1: Hello, oh, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about She-Ra and the princesses of power. My name is Nobody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on Etheria, it's Chloe. How are you today, Chloe?
2: I'm doing better, I think. Like, last week was a bit rough, but it's, uh, there's been improvement. Like, I won't get into the nitty-gritty details, but, like, again, most of the people that listened in on us, or at least what I thought might have been, considering we don't know who all these people are is <laughs> downloading the podcast, apparently, <laughs> but... Most of the people who are like familiar with us, you know, know the details and all. So, yeah, it's glad to
1: uh, hear you're in a better place.
2: Yeah, there's
3: there's improvement. It's it's better. Yep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Cause like I really haven't had a whole lot happen in the last week besides that stuff. I mean, like, uh, yeah, fair. Oh, yeah. That I mean, it's basically at this at this point, it's like, well, I have really like kind of done, like, most of the stuff in the Monster Hunter DLC. Like, I have to get the Master Rank 100 to fight the Master uh, Anka Valstrax because that's, like, just like in the base game when they had the Valstrax for the Hunter Rank 100 thing. It's like, yeah, now it's, like, tougher, more bullshit Valstrax who's gonna fucking kick your ass more. (laughs) So, that's kind of where it is at this point, but, like, I've done mostly everything else in that game so far for the DLC in terms of, like, new monsters and new equipment and stuff. So it's kind of just, like, maintaining the course until, like, another two weeks from now when Blade 3 releases.
1: That's fair, yeah. I, uh, I don't really play Monster Hunter, but I think probably uh, DLC, including a exact same version of a base-level bad guy but way tougher, is kind of universal. So I'm with you there.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, because, like, I mean, that's what they did with... Uh... They used to do it as, like, a separate st- like, like re-release of the game when they had been, like, the what they used to call Master Rank, which is G-Rank, where it's, like, make to pay the game entirely again, which, I mean, admittedly, again, back then, games were, like, pr- pretty much, like, 50 or $40, depending on, like, when they first started, like, the PS1 or, like, the, the mobile games. And, like, the expansions that they've done to the last two have been $40 on their own, right? So it's, like, technically, you weren't spending as much back then as you do now with the base game plus that but also the base game goes on sale frequently enough if you didn't get a launch or anything like that so yeah it kind of evens out but like yeah like it's it's definitely it still leaves a better taste in your mouth to just be like yeah just put on an expansion because nobody really does expansion it's really anymore for stuff like (laughs) that it's usually just like fucking like live service bullshit or like yearly releases so it's like yeah just put on an expansion it's more difficult like the the higher difficulty adds more monsters adds higher, tougher versions of beast monster and like better versions of the armoring and equipment and stuff, so you know yeah. it's basically just like hey, more monster hunter, game plan <laughs>
3: <laughs> fair enough, yeah, have you
2: ever played any of those games?
1: uh, not really no, uh if I'm honest, it's very much not my speed in the game um
2: yeah that's fair i mean i only really started actually giving a shit about monster hunter back when world released because like i tried the mm-hmm. uh, i believe it was for you was the 3ds one i tried and like that's basically just the like ultimate ver- the uh updated version of monster hunter 4 like because they yeah, always called them like ultimate and stuff like that they're like actual versions <laughs> I was like here's the one that has like all the actual stuff and i only played like maybe 10 or 12 hours of it before i was like this is not for me this is It's too much to have to carry a physical map in your inventory that takes up inventory space and having to carry paintballs to throw at the monster to be able to track them on the map (laughs) and then having to carry finite-use whetstones and bug nets and pickaxes to actually, like, grab the bugs in the environment and, like, mine for ore and stuff. You need that stuff for all upgrades and stuff and, like, whatever. And like ever since world they were like yeah fuck that stuff you just, you just have a map on you all the time you see where the monster is once you pinpoint where it is you just, you just can pick up bugs off the ground and just you always have an infinite use pickaxe and an infinite use buttstone. but it's much easier <laughs> they were just like yeah let's uh let's cut away some of the extraneous bullshit because like I don't want to say monster Hunter was like a niche series before world but it def- world definitely like got more people into it because it was like less esoteric anymore yeah that's fair. That's easier. Yep.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just everybody's got their own speed of games, you know? And for yeah. me, just the uh the, the survival sort of hunting crafting thing, it just doesn't work. I I don't know why. So
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's very much like not like a like survival crafty game. Like it's not like you're playing like Minecraft or anything like that or any of those yeah. I mean, it's like you're you're literally just like, yeah, you gotta go fight these monsters because of, like, all the weird fucked up lore about Monster Hunter where, (laughs) like, monsters emerged and then people started, like, genetically experimenting on themselves, which is why they can use those giant weapons and why, like, talking Cynthia and cats exist. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think the monsters are, I think the monsters might also, like, have started out as, like, biological weapons or something, so we made more biological weapons of our own, basically, to fight against them. Like you do, yeah. yeah. Monster Hunter is really fucked up when you get down to it. And, like, they, they they try at times to make it be like a big serious situation of, like, oh, if these two monsters continue to exist, they're going to upset the entire ecosystem and fuck up the entire world. And meanwhile, it's like, but also you can eat food cooked by a cat chef like, who sings a silly little song about Dongo when making it. So.
3: Yeah, you know. that's fair.
2: <laughs> the land of contrast, Monster
1: Hunter. Like, I don't know, maybe it's different now, but when I first looked into Monster Hunter, there wasn't, at the very least, it didn't seem like there was any kind of real story going on. You just went out and hunted the monster, and then you made gear out of it, and then you hunted the next monster.
2: I mean, that is kind of how most of them go. I mean, like, a lot of them do have, like, the, like, story of, like, here's, like, a thing that we're investigating, because, like, the last two, it's like, oh, there's, like, a monster that's, like wandering off to this, like, new continent that we explored, which, I mean, let's ignore the colonial undertones of Monster Hunter World, <laughs> for the sake of this. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, turns out this thing is going here because it's attracted to something in the environment and it only wants to go there to die, because <laughs> what <laughs> I forget exactly the reason why Zora Magdos wants to go there to die, but basically you're like, if it blows up here, it's going to take out the entire continent and fuck up the planet, so we need to make sure it doesn't die here and drive it back out to sea. But then there's another thing that's, like, also attacking it, and it's like, what's this thing's deal? And then you kill that thing. And then it's like, oh, no. And there's also like a weird alien dragon underground. <laughs> you have to fight instead. Yeah, it's basically just like you keep escalating with bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny that the monster on a rise like the whole thing of like why does this like weird like rampage of monsters happen every 50 years it turns out oh it's because two giant dragons want to fuck <laughs> that's <laughs> literally the story of monster on a rise <laughs> it's like yeah we gotta stop those things from fucking because if they fuck they're also gonna fuck up the planet and also just make more of themselves so murder the shit out of them <laughs> it's 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 a very funny contrast compared to like giant Dragon that looks like it's like a moving volcano wants to blow up and die and kill everybody compared to, and these two just want a bone. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, Monster (laughs) Order is a a land contest. Fair enough. It's also you're like killing a monster and then turning its head into like a hat or a new sword. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah. That's what you do. Everything is always like, aside from like the basic like bone or like mineral weapons that like most of the tree like weapon trees and armor trees start on. It's like, yeah, everything is just straight up. It looks like this thing's ass that you just took and carved into a hat. <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: I really don't. Beyond my very basic looking into it to see if it was a thing I wanted to get into, the only real Monster Hunter experience I have is that my GM in my D game decided to put a bunch of Monster Hunter monsters in there oh, because right, he right. loves those things. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm definitely familiar with um what were they? So the Gormagala, the Tigrex, and Xenojiva are the ones we oh, fought. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah,
2: Xen- is that alien dragon and like uh, Gormagala is like a fan favorite that hasn't been in a game since uh they originally released uh, Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate only on 3DS, but then they ported it to Switch. So, like, it came to the States as that on the Switch back, uh, I think, the same year when World released. I think they released that, like, half a year later or something, like, finally ported over okay. to America. And, like, that was, like, that's, like, the most, like, stupid, bullshit, edgy dragon possible because its wings basically look like a tattered cloak. <laughs> it's it's a very try-hard kind of dragon. And, uh, yeah, Tig- uh, Tigrex, I think, is how they actually bounce it in the game. Like, Tigrex is just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> T-Grix doesn't have anything really special going on with him. He occasionally throws rocks and everything. He's just a dick. <laughs> really? Like, that's
1: interesting. The one we fought had sonic powers.
2: Oh, it it does have the ability. It's actually the only monster that when it roars, it actually causes a little bit of damage. So yeah, there is that. Yeah, that's there. the one. Yeah, like yeah I mean Sonic like sounds not Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean you say that, but meanwhile, like in Monster Rise, you can actually dress up your cat and dog as Sonic and tails <laughs> because <laughs> they occasionally do weird crossovers like that. Weirdly enough, they haven't done as many strange crossovers like that in Rise compared to World, because like World had like a full on side like quest where you played as like it was basically just your character but skin to look like. Uh, Geralt from The Witcher and sound like him, and straight up have wow. like dialogue options like The Witcher three, but you also <laughs> like straight up hunted a leshen in that, and you could fight this the, the leshen as a monster, and like they did their whole like Final Fantasy fourteen A Realm Reborn crossover where they added behemoth to the game, and also I think they <laughs> added I think they added the Raffalos into A uh, Realm Reborn actually, it's like it was like a crossover between the two.
1: I think so. Yes.
2: Yeah, and then like I they straight up
1: used... something with Solid Snake also.
2: Uh, that that was an older one. I think that was that that was actually in one of the por- portable Metal Gear games where he actually also fights Rafflos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> Monster Hunter gets everywhere. It's it's kind of goofy that like it's not unfortunately actually like properly in Smash. Besides like the Rafflos like character it that you can like, get. be hard play. for it to be. Well, the thing is that they actually did put a Monster Hunter in the bad Marvel vs. Capcom game that everybody hated. The one that had oh, the real me word. Yeah, like they actually did straight up having Monster Hunter as a playable character. Huh. And it's like, it, it seems like it would actually be pretty easy, all things considered. You just, it's like they basically would kind of like play similar to Bylift, where they just use different weapons for different inputs and stuff.
1: And oh, then, yeah, like, you I could, and then, and,
2: then, and then you fire off the fucking stupid Dragonator as the Final Smash because it's a giant fucking, like, drill that is just called the dragonator (laughs) because it's used it's usually used to like shoot like one of the giant like big boss monsters that are like part of the main story (laughs) yeah yeah. or you just like put a pal put a palico in the next match don't put a hunter let me play as the cat
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't think anyone would complain about that
2: yeah like like you basically do like banjo it's palico and palamute so it's just a cat riding a dog (laughs) (laughs) there you go done Sort Beautiful. Of. You're welcome, Capcom. <laughs> um,
1: it's uh, I won't lie. It's been an interesting week for me. Uh, I got a new medication starting. Well, I got oh, it right. yeah, Tuesday. Yeah
2: you, yeah. yeah, you briefly mentioned that, but you didn't really go into detail.
1: Uh, yeah. So I I got it prescribed Tuesday and. I actually got this stuff yesterday, so today is my second day on it, and uh, this is Adderall that I'm on now, so that's fun. Uh, Ooh,
2: that's a big one.
1: It is, and it seems to be working for me. I, I'm not sure hear. how much it's, like, me reacting to it, because I know mm-hmm. that it's the big one and how much it's actually working, you know? But
3: yeah,
1: yeah, it's... It's a totally different experience, honestly.
3: (laughs) It's good to hear that it's actually working out.
1: Yeah, if I were to try to imagine uh, motivation, right? Motivation Mm -hmm. is just this big jug of water. It's it's like your water main. And up until now, that's just been sitting tepid. But with the Adderall, it's like somebody poked a hole in the main, and it's just spraying everywhere. (laughs) So now I'm doing stuff, but I can't control necessarily what I'm doing. Like, I've done four important things today that I needed to do, just, like, not the ones I was trying
2: to. (laughs) Well, at least something's getting done compared to nothing, in a sense, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But, yeah, it would be like, I'm trying to write this assignment for my homework, and I would sit down and start to write it and go, oh, well, I need to call this office at the school. And so i do that, go back to the home. Oh, well, now I need to call the doctor. So I did just like a constant stream of. Yeah, it's I I truly don't know how to put it. I'm still distracted. The the ADHD isn't mitigated like that. It's just now that I am empowered to act on it.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: So it's it's very strange and we'll see if that normalizes. But even if it doesn't, I may stick with this just because it's getting stuff done that needs to be, you know. Mm -hmm. maybe it's a sometimes food
2: yeah maybe it's a sometimes food because like did your prescription like did they give it to you like take every day or just as needed
1: yeah it's a daily med oh okay so yeah we'll see how that goes because if it doesn't normalize I'm definitely going to have to reduce I can't take this every day I wouldn't survive
2: (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean, uh, at least at least there's progress, and like you said, it's going to take a bit to figure out, like, how to fine-tune it and all.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's just, like, I mean, I've been talking about my mental health issues basically since we started this show, and <laughs> yeah, frankly, I feel like it
0: feels... <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, this, this just feels like the first real measurable positive step, so that's something I wanted to make sure and mention, because... Everything else we've tried has just kind of fallen by the wayside. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean that's pretty much my week is being on drugs.
2: (laughs) So that's a way to describe it.
1: Yeah, I will say
2: being on medication to try to address your ADHD just to be like, yeah, I've been on drugs all week.
1: Uh, I have a family member who also has ADHD. I'm not going to name who just in case anybody tries to dox me, but yeah. this family member in Texas also tried Adderall and it didn't end up working out for them. But when they did it, they had to sign like this huge elaborate contract about how they're not allowed to give it to anybody or leave it in the same room with anybody unsecured yeah. or it, it just extremely tight. You're not going to sell these drugs contract.
3: Hmm. and.
1: Uh, I did not have to do that up here in Canada. But what they did give me was a contract certifying that uh if I did cocaine while on Adderall I would die instantly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like so, then is it then being facetious or honest about it?
1: <laughs> I have no idea.
2: Okay. Like when you said that, my mind immediately just went to like how every fucking cop uh, freaks the fuck out about fenantil <laughs> or how you're time. It feels like time. that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Of just like if you even are like in anywhere in the tw- twenty mile radius of this, you will die immediately. <laughs> I was like mm-hmm. it's no. <laughs> it's yeah, very it was... it's very strange to see repeated like cases of that being cited and like death certificates at my job because I deal with like a bunch of insurance claims. <laughs> and it's like every time I read that, I'm just like this is uh, probably not actually <laughs> I don't know depends. i would honestly i would not believe it because i mean it's a bunch of bullshit most of the time yeah yeah you're not wrong yeah also (laughs) turns out when you have to actually read some of that paperwork to like uh figure out how to name the files for the sake of attaching it into the claim uh sometimes you accidentally read some really gnarly depressing shit about how people die (laughs) Uh, oh dear yeah or like sometimes it's just sad because like oh this person's only like 22 oh Claim is being filed by their mom. That's that's a bummer, yeah.
1: Um, I did have one other thing. If you don't mind, I would like to put one of my teachers on blast for a few minutes, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I think most folks who listen to the show know by this point I'm currently studying for my master's in library sciences,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and one of the classes I'm in this semester is uh, archival libraries, which is like Deep dive, artifact preservation libraries, not open to the public, sort of stuff, like you'd see at the Vatican or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, for today's class, instead of going to a formal class, we actually went to an archive. It was like a field trip, basically. And the archivist there was supposed to give us a tour and like lecture about it and teach us what it's like to actually be in an archive. And I learned from that that it's not something I ever want to do because the climate control would kill me. Oh but... boy. <laughs> Yeah, it has to be very tightly temperature controlled, or else the uh, materials will get damaged. And uh, I cannot handle it. I learned that today. But uh, yeah, my teacher, my professor, my sixty to five to seventy year old old white guy, spent the entire time advising the archivist on how she should do the archive, which like. What is the point of taking us to an archive to show us how it works? If you're going to spend the whole time telling her how to do her job, oh, man.
2: Yep. <laughs> Not great. Not at
1: all. I, I think I really enjoyed the trip. I find the, the archival work fascinating, even if I can't necessarily stand the environment. But just, oh. If he hadn't yeah. been there, it would have been a very good trip. But because he was, it was yeah. Just...
2: You, you you occasionally get that where it's like even if it's like even not like a school thing, it's like you go on like a vacation where it's like oh, if this one family member wasn't here, this would be so much better. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and this guy, he um, my prof- he worked as an archivist at uh, London Life. I'm just gonna say it. That's a insurance company up here in london ontario and he works at that archive for like 40 years or something which as a consequence means every single time he lectures about anything he cannot not talk about his former insurance company because it's the only thing he knows so he can teach us how to work in that archive you know what i mean yeah and even today when he was lecturing the archives he was telling her how they did it at london life and i just my dude, not only are you lecturing her on how to do her job, but you can't not bring your old job into this. How glory days are you? Yeah,
2: <laughs> like it very much the case of like back in my day, this used to be much simpler. It's like, yeah, and also back in your day was like 50 years ago, old man. <laughs> like, this just, just reminds me of the uh, the meme from Malcolm in the Middle of Dewey going, The future is now, old man, <laughs> <laughs> if
1: only. Uh, no, I still have to finish this class.
2: Does that show hold up? <laughs> I, like, I, 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 I kind of at times think about going back and rewatching Malcolm in the Middle, but it's also a show from, like, the, like, mid-90s, where it's, like, every time I also see that meme of, like, somebody being, like, it, it, I think it's from, I, I forget what, like, show it's from, but it's, like, the text of just, like, the person being, like, me going back and watching a show from the 90s, and then, like, a other guy with a traffic sign about to whack him in the face with it just reading, like, <laughs> transphobic joke because it was the 90s. <laughs> so, like, uh, I, I...
1: Maybe. I, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't really watch Malcolm in the Middle, but uh, I do have two very distinct memories from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they they showed commercials for this on daytime television. It was, like, not primetime or anything. It was actual, like, in the middle of a day television. And one of the scenes I remember very clearly from those commercials is the dad editing calorie counts on the food because he wanted his wife to get fatter because he was more attracted to her when she gained weight. Yes, so. I
2: do remember that episode, actually, now that you say it.
1: <laughs> and that was just yeah, I, the commercial I, that they put on Kids WB.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember exactly the context of the episode. That I mean... There's, like, a lot of that show that I just don't remember. Wh- like, I remember bits and pieces. I just don't remember why it happened.
1: <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so, I-, I cannot say for sure at all if that show holds up. But, uh, I don't know. Seems like they're at least willing to play with kinky stuff.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Fair.
1: Now we got to find out if Malcolm in the Middle is gay. So if we have to do a series about it, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't. I don't remember if anybody's queer in Malcolm in the Middle. I'm, I'm now going to Google about is anyone from Malcolm in the Middle queer? <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
2: well, apparently there's a character on the Malcolm in the Middle fandom dot com. There's apparently category gay characters. <laughs> Really? Uh, There's one. There's a person named Appy Tucker.
3: <laughs>
0: ah, well.
2: Army cadet and Reese's friend from his time in the military. When when was... Oh, right. I, for some reason, I was thinking Reese was the, the youngest boy. Reese is, like, the, the second oldest, right?
1: <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, yeah. that's, that's nice. I assume they're terrible jokes, but at least there's representation.
2: Uh, well, this 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 initial blur mentions that she has a crush on Reese's mom, which, uh, I mean, I don't think Abby is like old, uh, like that old to like want to date somebody's mom. But <laughs> hey. hmm.
1: listen, I'm gonna be real with you. No lesbian I've ever met didn't have a thing for milfs. So,
2: T- true, fair, yes, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Yeah, no, apparently she was in one episode.
1: <laughs> ah, okay. <Yep>. Well, <laughs> so,
2: never mind. Something yeah. It was canceled I, again. Te- technically, I guess it counts, but at the same time, it's a side character in one episode. They never set up again, so also no.
1: <laughs> yep, nope. Throw it on the cancel pile. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think. Uh... Probably about time to get into our episode, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, probably. We're we're like we're already like twenty five minutes in, so we should probably get into it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, my episode this week is season one, episode eleven. Promise. We open up the beacon exactly where the last episode left off, and we see Katra trailing Adora as Adora enters this big spooky room, which. I didn't really talk about it before last time we were here but like I just love the aesthetic of this place the the crystals and the glowy and the circuits it's just so cool. It's
2: all colored very gay.
1: <laughs> it's true. There it's extreme bisexual lighting in this place.
2: Yeah, like I know that at times when they're like walking down some of the or like some of the corridors where it's like well that's like half blue that's blue up there and red down there. Where's the purple? Yeah, <laughs> <Close>. for sure. <laughs> it's close enough that I'm willing to give it to them. And I mean, it is made by a bunch of queer people because I mean, Nate Stevenson's whole deal. So probably <laughs> probably intentional.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, Dora gets to the uh, central chamber and the whole place lights up as she calls out, asking for help because, you know, she's got the She-Ra sword and maybe she can use it to help Glimmer. But the uh, AI system they talked to before appears, and Adora asks for help, explaining Glimmer's trouble, though she does say Glimmer is cursed, and she doesn't seem to realize she was messed up with a runestone, so I guess she doesn't have all the info here. But the computer is not helpful at all. She is essentially stuck in read-only mode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Adora gets fed up with this pretty quick and transforms, at which point it recognizes her as an administrator immediately to which I can only say that this is just Apple Face ID doing exactly what Apple Face ID does. It's it's just <laughs> being annoying on purpose. But um, so with the the AI like actually active and talking now, Adora asks about the sword again, and it reveals that the sword of protection is actually a portable runestone, uh, one that is specifically keyed to Shira and no one else. Uh, the AI is... Not very much help with anything else, though, because all it will say is that the sword has the ability to heal people and balance Etheria over and over. So,
2: I guess I was asking about like what the sword is made out of when we were like, it's definitely not metal. I guess it's like, well, this just answers it because it's just the runestone. So, it's like they basically just took a fucking crystal and melted it down into like a sword. I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think if I'm honest, I think it's a combination of metal and crystal, just. From the hilt, but I could be totally oh, wrong. Oh, yeah, no,
2: yeah the, the hilt is definitely, like, metal and all. But, like, yeah, the rest of it now. <laughs>
1: I, I don't know if this ever actually gets answered. I think the runestone specifically is the gem in the hilt, but it, it could be the whole blade. I truly don't know.
2: <laughs> it could be both.
1: That's true, too. Um, But, yeah, so finally, Adora does the thing that all blonde ladies do and asks to speak to the manager. But when that doesn't work, uh, she starts name-dropping her friends. <laughs> You know, following the playbook.
2: Uh, Do we have to name the episode that Dora is just a Karen
1: now? <laughs> uh, um, maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, so when asking to talk to the manager doesn't work, she name drops Light Hope, saying she knows the CEO. You know how it is. And uh, the AI does recognize Light Hope's name and says that she's there. But Adora isn't ready to meet her and first has to let go. No exposition as to what letting go might mean. Uh, So Catra's been skulking around in the background this whole time. I haven't really mentioned it. She has like three or four scenes where she's just wandering around. But but, uh, at this point, she decides to grab something and set off the security system just by grabbing the first thing that's not nailed down nearby.
2: Yeah, like like she gets the right thing because it is what Entrapta needed, but she has no idea that this is the first one's tech that Entrapta needs. She, yeah, she's 100%. This is pure luck. She is the member of the party who does not pay attention to what's going on, sees the first shiny thing, and is like, ooh, mine. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: but yeah, I mean, so to my mind, this is especially a bad move. Because, um, you know Entrapta is good at this stuff and wants to examine the first one's tech. And you have this place, the biggest horde of first one's tech ever discovered. And the only thing, like, you know where it is, and you saw how she opened it. All you gotta do is kill her from behind and you've got the whole horde, you know?
2: Yeah, but, I mean, hey... Despite the amount of times Catra's going to imply and just directly say that she doesn't like Adora in this episode, it's like, well, obviously that's a fucking lie. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. So um, Catra stealing this device uh, sets off the security system. And the whole place turns red with evil light like you do. It's super important that you install the evil red lights. hmm. And uh, all the doors start sealing themselves. So it's a good thing there's like 15 of them. <laughs> because uh, enormous robo-spiders start coming out of some of the tunnels. And... But Dora and Catra are able to... Like, they just immediately fall into working together. It's... They don't talk about it. There's no thought. They just... Instantly, they're a partnership again. You can really tell how they trained together. You know what I mean? Yeah. But... Uh... Yeah, they get down to a side tunnel, which gets blocked off when it seals in, although the robo-spiders are just chawing through the thing. You would think they would have access to the door, but I, I didn't build the place, clearly. Um... Yeah, so, uh... They're down this side tunnel, and right as the lights shut off, uh, Adora explains that the the beacon sees Katra as an intruder, and is therefore trying to kill her. And, uh... Catherine very reasonably asks if Adora can just turn it off. But uh, as with everything else in this place, the answer is no, because everyone hates Adora. <laughs> um, one of the spider bots corners them, so Adora just brings down the whole tunnel on its head, using her shield to keep them safe from the debris. Yeah, but not...
2: like the, the thing is that she starts attacking the door, then gives up on that, and just drags the sword against the ceiling to cause the cave-in. She th- like she like it's not like she like really starts with just like i'll cause a cave and starts trying to just whack at the door and it doesn't actually break so she's like all right well plan b uh cave i guess fuck it (laughs) yeah
1: yeah i mean my note here is that i don't get why she didn't just stab the spider that seems easier than dropping a cave on herself
2: yeah like well there was only one spider at that point right
1: yeah that was the only one there
2: yeah yeah just stab it (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm. How we way to easily easy.
2: handle like five of these things on their own later on. It's like you could easily just at this thing and be done with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, they dig themselves out of the cave in, and the Dora tells Catra. Well, Adora is Adora again. The cave in stopped her being She Ra for some reason. But she tells Catra that she needs to get out of there because the bugs are going to keep hunting until she leaves or dies. And since Adora is protecting her, they'll hunt her too. Uh, this is extremely the wrong thing to say, as Catra has a thing about being protected. She does not like it when you say that. <laughs> um, to her credit, uh, Adora realizes for the first time, I think ever, that she said something wrong. <laughs> uh, she she realizes that Katra is touchy, and she changes the subject. She's she's learning how to talk to Katra, <laughs> Very slowly, but she's getting there. <laughs> Despite um,
2: spending almost every day of her for the first 17 years of her life.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she, she redirects and asks if Shadow Weaver is there, knows Katra is there, and Catra admits that she doesn't, of course, and Adora gets sort of a patronizing look, which uh, Catra reiterates that no, she didn't let Adora escape because she likes her and shut up and changes the subject real quick, <laughs> asking where Adora's new friends are because don't they do everything together all the time? Which, it's been like two, maybe three weeks since Adora defected from the Horde. I get that Katra feels betrayed by that, but like... Has
2: it, has it really been that long? Because in the next episode, like, Swiftwind says that he's been sentient for like a week, and like, th- like if he's been sentient for just a week, that means that episode three was just a week ago. <laughs> Which means yeah. that episode one and two that were back to back were not like a di- like not even a day de- like they were the same day I think because like they were, they like were the same right. thing missing yeah so it's like it, I think well, he's only been gone for like a week. <laughs> well, I I believe it's
1: episode three. The first time Adora goes to a Princess Alliance meeting, they say it's been a week since she joined the Alliance. No, that's episode so. four.
2: That's episode four because like episode three is when they're hiding her from. Uh, that's right. You know, yes. Like, that's- yeah. So,
1: okay. Yeah. So so
2: has every episode been like one day later, except for the first two, because they were part one and two. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: yeah. So in episode four, she's been there a week, which means at that point, Swiftwind has been sentient for a week. So either he doesn't know how to tell time, or this is happening the same day as that first Princess Alliance mission.
2: (laughs) Or it could be that, like, he's, like, just talking based on, like, oh, I only figured out speech for, like, a week. That's fair. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he specifies that he's only been sentient for a week, but, like, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe he's, like, again, like, I guess, guess, like, he didn't talk back then, so I guess maybe it was a case of, like, yeah, like. That's true, um, yeah, maybe he develops (laughs) that later. But there was the lizard, but like I mean we don't see the lizard again, so we don't have the lizard talk, so we don't know what the lizard yeah, technically is. Yeah, said that yet. lizard's never gonna come before. back. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting into the weeds here because it's like the time frame here is just kind of fucked. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, my best estimate is that it's about two weeks since adora defected. So Yeah. Um my point here is that uh Yes, I realize that Katra feels betrayed, but also I feel like it's an exaggeration for her to say that they do everything together just because she's seen them together twice in two weeks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or actually, maybe it's a little more than that because Princess Prom and the Sea and
3: uh um uh,
1: uh, her not. Perfuma has a lens that's got a stupid name that's too close to her name that I can't remember. So there were three times that they saw uh, each
2: other. Fuck, I, wrote the, <laughs> I remember thinking this the other day. I like, don't remember what it was. Uh... Oh, <laughs> you could put a gun to my head and I'll be like, you just got to pull the trigger. I am not going to remember Perfuma's only. Oh, yeah.
1: Blue Maria, that's right, what it's called.
2: Right. That's why I kept thinking her name was Blue Maria, because it sounds because I keep again thinking of the uh the team skull character from Pokemon Sun and Moon.
3: Yeah. <laughs> compared that's
2: to Perfuma. Um
1: Yeah, okay. But um that okay, that doesn't count because Catra wasn't there for that. So she's seen them together three times.
3: Um <laughs>
1: The the thing is, is that Catra got abandoned by Adora, and so whoever Adora left her for must be super close without her, because that's just how that works in her experience. She, she's lived without her whole life with uh, Ronnie and Ligelio and Kyle, you know? Mm-hmm. I definitely just switched Ronnie and Legelia. <laughs> Lonnie and Legelio's <laughs> first letters.
2: They 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 really don't matter. The only one that's ever had like more than like a couple lines so far is Lonnie. <laughs> I didn't even bother to write down if Lonnie has a different voice actor when she shows up as like a younger kid in this episode.
0: <laughs> that's how
2: little <laughs> she actually matters really in the grand scheme of things so far. Yeah. Um yeah, so
1: Adora gets upset because Katra brought this up, but she does actually manage to keep her cool, saying that they can deal with that later because the bugs are coming and uh, they need to move. She has matured remarkably fast in the past couple of weeks. I'll say that for her. Katra mm-hmm. um, initially wants to split up, but since the hallway is collapsed, they don't really have much choice but to stick together until they reach like another one of those stained glass portraits from the uh, the last time Bow and Glimmer back from the sword part two um Dora uses the password eternia to open this portrait just fully giving away the secret password the horde and they enter the room to discover nothing because it is an endless black void and the door is gone classic traps
2: and and somehow Katra does not remember that tabaxi had dark vision
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh it's magical darkness um, oh
2: fair yeah you, you gotta get two levels of warlock at the le- at the least here in you, you can get devil sight mm-hmm. <laughs> Ad- adora you are definitely at least a level two warlock at this point what are you doing why do you not have you're a human you don't have dark vision. you get devil sight and agonizing blast is like your first two obviously no, she took eyes of the Keeper. um well, t- oh yeah true yes we have established this because she can read everything <laughs> Yep, but well, she doesn't cast Eldritch Blast, so maybe she uh, shouldn't have taken Agonizing Blast. Considering she doesn't really shoot the laser beams at her sword much. <laughs> she totally casts Eldritch Blast. Yeah, but she never really uses it. <laughs> That's
1: fair. She does um, it by
2: accident most of the time.
3: <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that. It's
1: she's got some big episodes coming up. Yeah. Uh. So Adora sees a red light approaching them in the darkness and calls out, thinking it might be a light hope for some reason, but it just scans them, and then with a big flash of light, they find themselves back in the fright zone. Adora just immediately gets physical, pinning Catro to a wall, which uh wow, huh?
2: Yep. Bit bit, a, bit of a uh, big leap of uh, to... I'm trying to like phrase this accurately. It's like it's kind of a stress to just jump immediately to Catro's done something, and also kinda gay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I like we're supposed to sympathize with Adora here because she's afraid that she's been teleported back to the Fright Zone, you know? She's afraid that she's yeah. been captured. But also, like, I feel like it doesn't say good things about her that the instant something goes wrong, she's immediately grabbing and throwing and pinning to the wall and threatening. You know what I mean? Yeah. She was brought up in an extremely abusive household, and I feel like this is that behavior coming out. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, we we have seen multiple fucking times, and we'll see more in this one, just how shitty the upbringing must have been, considering that they had Shadow Weaver as an air quotes mom.
1: Yeah. it's um, Adora normally does a pretty good job of keeping it under control, but right here, we're we're seeing that shine through a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Tatra pins to the wall, insists that she doesn't know what's happening, and doesn't think that they're really in the fright zone. And uh, she just kind of breaks free and wanders off to bother a horde guard. (laughs) But when she pokes him, her finger goes straight through, because this whole thing is an elaborate hologram. She calls out to Adora, but when we cut to Adora, she is seeing a much younger Catra, about eight years old, calling her. Uh, Big Catra approaches to talk to her, and yes, that's a thing that we're going to have to deal with this whole episode, is Big Catra and Little Catra.
2: (laughs) Maybe Memory Catra and Memory Adora? And then to specify like Adora and Katra as like their current selves? Because we're Maybe. I mean it's 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 showing them memories of what's already happened rather than big and little or baby and adult.
1: <laughs> yeah, but little is faster to say than memory. Um true. Yeah, so uh big catra approaches to to talk to Adora about the holograms, but as she does, the uh, memory plays out uh Young Catra running to young Adora because she's gotten hurt somehow and she's afraid her arm is broken. And uh, little Adora reassures her. <laughs> Sorry,
2: you've already, you've already changed it up. <laughs> because you, like, you, you started with little and now you're saying... like, uh... Wait. You started saying little and now you're saying young.
1: <laughs> I definitely just said little in my notes.
2: Yeah, but you referred to them as young Adora and young Catra. <laughs> <laughs>
1: if you say so
2: <laughs> play back the uh, tape we're not going to edit the audio to play it back here in, in that real time
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. so a uh, little Adora reassures Catra telling, asking why she would pick a fight with Octavia anyway because Octavia is like a full grown woman <laughs> and Catra insists that she didn't actually do anything but exist near her and uh, maybe also scratch out her eye and also call her a dumb face
2: yeah, uh, probably probably put a content warning for eye trauma there in this episode.
1: Maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah. we don't see anything, but that mention does get brought no, up.
2: But she, she does have an eye patch on. That that implies she sure does. That implies enough was done. <laughs>
1: uh, not to spoil anything, but Octavia is going to show up again later in the series. She's a super minor character, oh. so.
2: Yeah, okay. Yeah, because like, uh, I didn't, I didn't write down her voice actress because I didn't think she was important. But I think she's, mm-hmm. I think she's just voiced by one of the other people that we already covered. Uh, let me check while you continue on.
1: Yeah, like she'll show up as background dressing or whatever. She's never going to be a major character, so don't don't oh, worry okay. about that too much. But in her future appearances, when we see her in the modern day, she definitely does have like an actual eye patch on. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, The scene shifts, and kids are just looking over a railing down at Octavia, who is remarkably chill considering one of them just took her eye out. But Odora calls down that she's a dumb face, and she understandably gets mad, and they run away from her, holding hands and laughing. But when they pass behind a pillar, it's the older them, uh, because I guess the hologram changed to an overlay at some point?
2: Yeah, it took the memory out. It's pretty vague unless like they were just like following themselves and kind of got lost in the moment and ended up like basically repeating what they did. I don't know. It's it's a little vague. Yeah, because it. it happens like, a sometimes lot. Sometimes
1: we see them watching the holograms, but sometimes the holograms are them. So I don't yeah, know what that like, is.
2: Like there's one <clears throat> part later on where they have like an argument where it just keeps cutting between them as like their current selves and then them as their younger selves, and it's like it's. Yeah. I get that it's like it's a it's a neat thing for like the story purpose but also when you think about it's like this really actually doesn't make sense (laughs) also i was Uh, wrong octavia is not uh, voiced by a character who we've already covered i thought that i thought i saw some credit of like a person voicing somebody and also octavia and the credits for the episode but the wiki says uh, otherwise
3: well okay (laughs)
2: Hmm.
1: but um yeah, so Katra uh, uh, and Adora come to in an extremely bisexual hallway, still holding hands. But uh, Catra pulls away almost immediately. Adora does realize that it was like tapping their memories to create that simulation, just because she grew up in the Horde, so she understands enough technology to know that that's a thing.
2: Okay, and, then, uh, I- Okay, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I I went back to the episode and looked at the credits. Maybe Octavia had a different voice actress back then, because it shows here that in this episode she was voiced by Christine Woods, who was the voice of Entrapta. So I was right, I did see something like that, so maybe they changed it later on. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Well, good to know that I wasn't going crazy there for a sec.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, Catra is kind of frustrated at this point. She does not like magic and doesn't understand how Adora deals with it all the time, which I feel is pretty relatable when you grew up in science health. Yeah. (laughs) But Adora kind of demurs and asks why Catra let her escape for real this time, saying she just really doesn't get it because Catra could have gotten caught or in trouble. Just there was too much risk. And right as she asks this, she falls off a ledge. And Catra catches her. She saves Adora's life, saying that uh, she wouldn't just let Shadow Weaver erase her memories like that. Adora might have thought she would, but also, uh, she says Adora never had any faith in her anyway, so... Woof. <laughs> At this point, Katra asks if Adora has any good memories of the Fright Zone, and... What she's really asking here is if Adora has any good memories of her, but she just can't say that, and Adora doesn't pick up on it, so adora says yeah of course she has good memories of the fright zone but the horde is evil and she can't go back which is to say catra sees this as adora telling her that she's evil and can't go back
2: yeah yeah
1: there's a lot of subtext in this episode that is not explicitly called out so that's why i'm like going into motivations here but yeah it's mm-hmm. it's rough um Adora says that she does miss Katra, and they start play wrestling, a little, pr- play wrestling a little, kind of like kids before they fall into another simulation. Uh, this time around, they're about twelve, and they're practicing staff fighting. Um, little Katra uses some dirty tricks to get close to winning, but then Lonnie shows up out of nowhere, interrupting, and Adora kind of takes Katra out while she's distracted fighting Lonnie. And Adora gets praised by the trainer for this, saying that this will be reported back to Hordak. Uh, afterwards, Catherine complains about them ganging up on her, and then she denies trying to win at all, saying that if she did that, people would expect things out of her, and that second place is fine with her. This is a motivation I have used myself.
3: Uh, yeah. Yep.
1: Ah. Definitely. Definitely got knocked out of the spelling bee on the very first word on purpose. Why would I want to sit in a spelling bee for hours? That would be boring.
2: Fair. Spelling bees are terrible. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Um, after, the, uh, after this workout, the other kids go to cool off. I don't know what they're doing, but Catra heads back to the locker room, and uh, she's just going to have a good cry. But she's snapped out of it, and she becomes Big Catcher again when the mirror turns into a Robo Bug and pulls her through. This was like it's a kids show, but this was a very good horror sequence. I liked this a lot. Yeah, Adora runs in and tries to stop it, but she isn't strong enough, and she loses her grip on Katra's hand. And I mean, you see the metaphor here is that she's letting Katra go again.
2: Yep. Oh, uh, I mi- I missed this note earlier when they were like walking, and talking to each other. But uh, if you look, it's not even you don't have to necessarily look closely. It's kind of obvious. But there's a lot of shots where the sword just fully disappears from Adora's back in this episode. <laughs> Just yeah, it so also often.
1: teleports around sometimes.
2: Yeah, like, it, it's mostly, like, it's noticeable the most when they're, like, crossing that, like, fallen column because, like, as I was watching, I was just, like, gone, it's back, gone again, back on their heck. <laughs> just repeatedly, just being like, wait, yeah. yep, there it goes, and it's back, and it's gone again. Goodbye. <laughs> the one that it's, really uh... stuck
1: out to me is that uh, when, when the uh, ceiling is collapsing on top of them, right, she uses the shield to protect them, and then the ceiling collapses, and they dig themselves out. And it's a sword again, and it's strapped to her back instead of yep, yeah,
2: she took the time to put the turn it back into a sword and reattach it to her back before bothering to get herself out of the debris. <laughs> yeah,
1: sure, she did, <laughs> But, yeah. so Catra is being dragged away, and she's kind of cocooned in the sort the artificial webbing that these bugs make. and but. She's able to cut herself free and she starts fighting it and actually manages to do some solid damage because I guess her claws can cut metal, which is impressive. But Adora shows up at the last moment and kills it with a sword, which sets Catra off again because, like I mentioned before, she doesn't want to be protected.
2: Yeah, which, of Uh, course, she says this of like, I don't need your help. And meanwhile, like 20 seconds later earlier, she was actually muffled screaming for Adora's help. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, before she realized, wait, I have unarmed strikes that deal slashing damage. I can get myself out. <laughs> Catra is the tabaxi who, for some reason, focuses entirely on strength and not dex, so she can actually use those unarmed strikes efficiently. Well, not n- not efficiently, but better. But it's like, just use a fucking dagger. It's hard damage and get to use your dex.
1: I honestly don't know what you're talking about. She's a monk. Um, I, I, I mean,
2: she- fair, yeah. But she still focuses on strength, for some reason, instead of dex and wisdom.
1: At this point, uh, she does say very clearly for the first time that she doesn't need help because she's doing fine on her own, because Adora left her on her own. Uh, Like, the subtext has been there the whole time, but this is the first time she said it out loud. And uh, Adora stops and begs her to come to Brightmoon and join the Rebellion, and tells her that the Horde was evil and she couldn't go back to them, but Catra's not evil, and... They could be together, but then the scene shifts somewhere back in the simulation. And, uh, a young Catra, very young, maybe, like, six years old this time, zooms past, and she and Adora are racing around the halls when they find Shadow Weaver's room just standing open. They know they aren't allowed to go in, but Adora just does anyway, and Catra follows her. So they start exploring right as Shadow Weaver stumbles in and takes her mask off, uh, we don't see her whole face, but the very small part we do see is pretty gnarly, and uh, she realizes they're there and shouts for them to get out. But as they try to flee, uh, Shadow Weaver grabs Catra with that imprisonment spell of hers. She's casting bold person, uh, asking what they were yeah. doing here. <laughs> and uh, Catra just says that they were playing, and Shadow Weaver lays into her. This is truly just... Shadow Weaver is not a good parent, but... She asked Katra a question, and in exchange for answering that, she yells at Katra, telling her that she is insolent and disrespectful and disgraceful, saying that she won't allow Catra to drag Adora down with her. It's really brutal and completely unjustified in this moment, but Adora even tries to stand up for Katra, throwing herself in the way, but Shadow Weaver ignores her entirely, Telling Catra that she's only here because Adora likes her, and that if she ever does anything to hurt Adora, then Shadow People will personally kill her. It's awful. It it's honestly like. We've had some bad parenting on the show. This is, in my opinion, the worst we've seen.
2: Uh, it's it's close to uh, I, I would I don't know, it's kinda hard to compare it to Odalia at her worst because like Odalia was willing to like I mean, they're both, like, say that they're going to threaten children. Odalia was actually legit prepared to kill Luz. <laughs> just just for profit. <laughs> and then and then also, of course, like, sell out the entire demon realm because she thought that she was promised that she'd be exempt.
1: <laughs> I mean, yes, I, I see where you're going for that. But you gotta, like, Luce isn't anybody to Odalia. Luz is just some stranger who's getting Fair. her kid in trouble. Yeah. This is... Yeah.
2: This this yeah. This is a different scenario because it's like this is a, this is the per, one of the two people that Shadow Weaver has been in charge of raising for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, and especially because literally what she does is turn around and give Adora basically a pat on the head and say not to let it happen again and go ahead. Yeah, and, yeah, and...
2: like it, yeah. It's like very obviously like even back when they were like six or whatever. And here it's like clearly there is a favorite and <laughs> is not Catra. Yeah.
1: This is just utterly unbelievable to do in front of each other i i don't yeah even in private it would be awful but to do it like to each other's face that's just she is trying to get catra
3: to kill adora right here yep
1: but yeah um so they the scene ends and we get the that argument between them as they switch back and forth from adult to kid versions, which is very cool in the moment. But again, yeah, it's kind of weird trying to talk about how the system works. Um, Adora says that she's only ever tried to protect Katra, but Katra insists that she's never done anything worth calling protection. N- nothing that would ever get Shadow Weaver mad at her, you know? Mm. And Adora kind of demurs to this, but Catra tells her that when Adora abandoned the Horde, she took the fall. Uh... Adora says that Catra doesn't have to let Shadow Weaver treat her like that. She can just leave, but Catra reads this as Adora wanting her to follow her around like a puppy, and she blows up, and she finally says that she doesn't want to leave. She's not afraid of Shadow Weaver anymore, and she says she's a better Force Captain than Adora would have been, which I personally think is untrue, but it's hard to say for sure because of the desertion thing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Adora never realized that Catra cared about ranks and promotions because all these years Catra had said it didn't matter and she admits now that she was lying because even as a kid she could tell that Shadow Weaver liked Adora best and Adora would get all the promotions so Catra just always lied about caring because she knew it would never happen to her. Hmm. And, uh, like that's not explicitly spooled out in the show but that's the, that's the message here. And... Yep. Adora does ask her to wait one more time, and Catra tells her that she gave the sword back because she didn't want Adora to come back to the horde. Because if Adora came back, then things went back to the way they were, and even the tiny little scrap of respect she'd earned would go out the window, because it would all just be right back in Adora's hands. And Adora is so upset by this, she just kind of freezes as Catra leaves, and a bunch more robobugs attack.
2: Which is interesting that, like like adora acts this way where she's actually like, she's surprised at it she literally saw this last episode because as soon as she was like taken prisoner like Shadow words me like all right katra you're the motive goodbye fuck you get out of here
1: yeah <laughs> for sure she absolutely like, did she, le-
2: she legitimately already saw this where it's like yes this is the case
1: <laughs> the thing that we're seeing here and i don't know how much this was deliberate but uh the story that we're seeing here is Adora realizing her white privilege.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean god we definitely have to call this episode that Adora's just a Karen, don't we? <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh boy. Cuz yeah, she never even recognized that she was favored despite how obvious it was. Yeah. And now she's finally being confronted with that after all these years, so Hopefully, she'll go on a redemptive journey and not be a MAGA in the future, but we'll see. (laughs) Um. (laughs) uh, We cut to Catra, who's fleeing through a series of holograms, only to find herself in the Horde bunk room, watching as the six-year-old version of herself cries, covered in a blanket. Uh, Little Adora comes in and pulls the blanket back and gets hissed at, because... She is a cat. Don't forget that.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, you you bothered the cat when the cat was trying to just be on its own. So, of course, the cat's going to be like, (laughs)
1: Yeah. But she sits there next to him and they're together. And she says that they'll look out for each other. Because after all, nothing really bad can happen as long as they have each other. And they promise to have each other's backs forever. This really calms little Catra down, but uh, not so much for the big one no <laughs> so uh, adora is fighting the bug monsters with just pure brute strength it's she's just, like just jumping on them and doing captain kirk style hammer chops it's beautiful it, like there's one she just straight rips its leg off with her bare hands but uh she does this and tries to get to the sword and this is where she gets caught in a web so you know she really, I think, could have handled this if she wasn't so worried about getting the sword back. But she does remind the bugs that she's not their enemy. Katra is. She's really trying to throw Catra to the bugs here.
2: Yeah, but, like, immediately being like, oh, no, I'm not, like, not trying to be your enemy here, Catra. And then immediately being like, no, go get her. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Like I say, uh, white privilege revelations. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this ploy does not work, and they just dangle her over an Abyss. Uh, they do retreat after a moment as sounds of battle happen off-screen, and after a moment, Katra appears at the edge with the sword, just sort of musing about how it only works for Adora, because she's so special, just like Shadow Weaver always said. And uh, this is where Catra has a very... This is a moment of character development that's going to carry her for a long time. Um, It's built on false assumptions, but she sees everything here as true. Um, Essentially, her conclusion is that Adora has been holding her back this whole time. She thinks Adora wanted her to feel weak, to be weak, to feel needed, so that Adora could have a sidekick. Because that's what every hero needs. And she's sick of that and is breaking free of it now. now Adora insists this isn't true, and whether it is or not is kind of up in the air. I think, but Katra finally says that she really did want Adora to come back all this time, but now she understands Adora leaving was the best thing that could have happened because now she's free to be exactly who she wants to be, which is more powerful than anyone ever realized. Uh, she cuts the goo rope that's supporting Adora, saying that she just. Wonders what she could have been if she'd gotten rid of her sooner, and the goose snaps, and Adora does manage to grab her handhold, a, a rock jutting out of the wall, and she apologizes and says she never meant to make Katra feel like she was second best, but Catra just shows, throws the sword down into the abyss and leaves, saying that she'll miss Adora. And, uh, Adora's just left there dangling and crying, and as she does so, Adora sees Light Hope at the edge of the canyon, telling her to let go, and she does, just dropping into the abyss, and smash cut to black. It's dramatic, uh, mm-hmm. but it, that's not the end of the episode, because we cut to the Fright Zone, where Scorpia is telling Trapped about the time she and Katcha were on a boat together again. <laughs> it's extremely <laughs> tonal whiplash. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's Um, it's a very goofy thing after the previous scene.
1: Yeah, that was like a grim episode end. That was Entrapta burns to death episode ends, but now we're doing fun stuff. Um, So Scorpia pretty clearly has a crush on Catra at this point, and just talking about how they instantly clicked and how good of friends they are. And Entrapta says she felt the same thing with Emily, although I'm not super sure it is the same thing, because I think... I think Entrapta is ace Arrow. It doesn't, like, obviously get mentioned in the show, but I think she's just friendly with robots. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I I don't think it's romantic. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, Catra walks in, and Scorpia immediately gets in her face, asking if she's okay and if she needs first aid or if she needs to be, quote, nursed tenderly back to health. Uh... Petra, it turns out, has established a 10-foot personal space radius, though, so she's upset about Storpia ignoring
2: this, and uh,
1: I guess she would do pretty okay during COVID, it turns out. Yeah,
2: is um, the only person in the horde that uh, bothers with uh, precautions about COVID. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She refuses to wear a mask, though. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she thinks if she can just stay far enough away from everyone, she's safe. Um,
2: That's how it works, Katra. Not at all.
1: (laughs) But Entrapta is loose. She's been working on this robot, and Katra does want to know why she's not, you know, locked up.
2: Wait, Entrapta is loose? I thought loose is in the other show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Because I, I guess, like, every time we've seen Entrapta locked up, she's escaped within a few seconds
2: oh yeah no
1: so, All the time. <laughs> i'm not super sure why catra is confused that entrapta isn't locked up but
2: well she did tell uh scorpia to like watch the princess while she was gone and at that time she was in her restraints and now she's <laughs> not again
1: <laughs> yeah yeah entrapta does dive into the restraints which it,
2: it did not really bust
1: <laughs> i'm gonna be honest it's a pretty kinky bondage rig this is basically a bondage cross i mean
2: yeah like the the fact that it like has the arms above rather than like off the like maybe like the sides or like just like like they could have done a lot more besides like your arms are above your head because again that just reads a lot like the kind that you would use for like media stuff
1: (laughs) yeah for sure but it it is the horde
2: so yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) it is a little weird to me because like it's suspended off the ground, right? When you're in this rig, you're not touching the ground. So clearly it has enough of a hold on you to keep you suspended. But she can just like wiggle her wrist and get out. So I don't know if she's controlling the machine or if she can... Yeah, whatever it is, it's not a secure system. No. <laughs> but yeah, so she dives into this thing and locks herself in. But then Katra tosses a crystal at her, so she <laughs> unlocks herself immediately. But this was really more of a sight gag than anything, and then we talked about it for five minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, this is a data crystal that Katra stole, and uh, apparently it is the most perfectly preserved one Entrapta has ever seen. So she's thrilled to have it and starts doing her little mad scientist cackle and dancing with Scorpia you know, saying that she's never seen something in such good shape, and Scorpius says she knew that Catra could do it, because Catra is the best friend ever, with just the biggest smiley face ever. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Catra just gives them a look, and walks away telling them to keep it down, because she's going to bed. The end.
2: Yep. Uh, and Chapter and Scorpio are so fun together. They're just like, I mean, Scorpio is just a uh, lovable goofball idiot, and Chapter is just like completely not at all aware of like, how to like talk to people. And yeah. Like that. Yeah. They're fun together.
1: <laughs> They're the perfect pairing. <laughs> yep.
3: Uh,
1: yeah. It was a very heavy episode. Um... Yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, um, I have it in my trivia, but I'll say it now. Uh, this is apparently Nate's favorite episode in the entire Fascinating. Show. Which, I mean, tracks. it is like, it is a sad and also very gay episode.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a lot of She-Ra is...
1: Hmm. I don't want to say filler episodes because stuff gets done. But a lot of it is kind of, like, monster of the week things, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been so much the case this episode, because, or this season, because we've been introducing a bunch of princesses. But, like, later on we'll get episodes where it's just like, I found some First Ones tech out here, we should go get it. Oh no, the Horde is here, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. And, uh... (laughs) This episode right here that we just covered is very not that and it makes those later episodes feel weird in comparison because they were getting this hard right off the bat, you know?
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because like I remember we were talking just in our like little DM stage ever about like stuff like how like Amphibia and Steven Universe like both their first seasons are very much like the Monster of the Week kind of stuff until the story starts to hit. And meanwhile, this seems like it's, like, the opposite, based on how you're describing it, where it's, like, stuff actually happens, like, a lot of time in this first season, and then it gets to, like, the, like, weirder, like, first season kind of stuff in most shows of, like, yeah, here's, like, the goofy stuff. That was I was, mean, like, Problem of the Week. Oh, no. That's a problem. Oh, no, we fixed it. Okay, good.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can't say this for sure, but what I would hypothesize is because... Um... Like, I don't know how Steven Universe works, but when Disney buys shows, Disney buys them three seasons at a time, right? So Amphibia knew they were having three seasons to build into.
2: Basically, yeah.
1: Assuming that, you know, they don't get axed for not fitting with the network. But, like, that's not necessarily the case with Netflix. Netflix does things on a season-by-season basis. Fair. So, for this, they were very much, like, having to justify the show, if that makes sense. So I think it makes sense for them to... put the heavy stuff up front.
2: Yeah, to be like, here's okay, we're going to do a lot in the first season to get people hooked, and then we'll get more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And don't get me wrong, there's going to be stuff like this the whole way through, it's just not quite as rapid fire.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, again, I have not seen past season one ever, so I'm curious to see what happens, (laughs) based on that.
1: It's so much. I love this show. (laughs)
2: Alright, right, well, then I guess we should just continue on into episode 12 then, right? Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Well, uh, episode 12 Light Hope just continues right off where we left Dora, where she's just falling through a fucking black void, but uh, (laughs) she starts seeing holograms of her memories, like, similar to, like, the previous episode. Although these are more, like, these are, like, fucking, like, uh, the horde screens that they have occasionally, where they have their Skype calls more than, like, the holograms she was seeing with Catra. Yeah,
1: these are super, like, Tony Stark waves his hand, and a screen comes up hollow screens.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, eventually she just, like, finds herself just standing on the ground uh, in front of uh, another hologram. But it's Light Hope this time, instead of the, like, general, like, caretaker or whatever that she's been dealing with before, who doesn't know how to actually say anything besides just repeating <laughs> what's programmed. And Lighthope says that she's been waiting for Adora since she was born, which is a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but basically, after that, we just cut back to Glimmer and Bo, who we haven't seen at all this week yet. And uh, because they're just worried about Adora still being gone. And at that, a guard knocks on her door and says that she has something to see them, not someone, which is a very funny goof. But also it's uh, it's well, I guess you can't say it's dehumanizing because he's not a human because he has swift winds.
1: Yeah, that word doesn't apply to a lot of people in this show.
2: (laughs) Dehorsifying, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because, like, uh, I mean, Swiftman also has just not really been in the show since Episode 3, to be fair, so... Yeah, he just kind of flew yeah. off. Yeah, he was just hanging out somewhere. But uh, he's here now because, he, apparently, just like we mentioned earlier, uh, Swiftman has figured out how to talk and, I guess, gain proper sentience. And he's there to try to get them to help him rescue Adora because, like, ever since he, like, widened up and got his intelligence score above like uh whatever the threshold is for setting in D in D, but he can now sense the dora ever since then and he can tell that something's off and like they're they're of course just like uh having a time and a half just being like our host talks ah this is awesome but like they eventually managed to like get it together, and try to, like, immediately just fucking sneak off without telling Angela, like, fully, like, oh, yeah, she won't know that we're gone after we just got back, like, a day ago, at most. (laughs) But when they're about to leave, uh, Angela's already there, because she came by to talk to Glimmer, and You know, it's just to have, like, like assurance, like, mom kind of talk. But also because she's like, yep, I just fully give you permission for once to go run off instead. Go, Go get Adora. Go save her. You have an actual mission to do this rather than just doing your own shit and then be getting pissed for once.
1: Yeah, that's... I don't know how to feel about this exactly, because it's like... On the one hand, she is giving her permission, which is nice. But also, she's not... She's still not involved, right? She doesn't know what's happening here. She's just not yeah. resisting when her daughter <laughs> runs off to do something she ridiculous. She definitely does
2: not question why there's a talking horse either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it doesn't uh, no feel way. like
1: she's trying to mom anymore. She's just kind of given up.
2: Yeah, she's like, "You're you're you're sixteen. You're close enough to adult. You you know what you're doing here." I guess at this point.
1: <laughs> See, I don't think it's even that. I think it's just that Glimmer has run off and done stupid things so many times and gotten herself hurt and broken her powers and she Angela knows at this point it doesn't matter yeah, if she gets yeah, upset. I guess yeah
2: <laughs> like she's obviously she's obviously gonna do this anyway. I might as well just make it official as opposed to not and then getting annoyed and angry about it.
1: Yeah <laughs> like, like if you're her you have seizure an... disease didn't teach her a lesson then
2: yeah but now it's like hey you have you have authority and uh Responsibility, you have to go get her now because you were going to do that anyway. So at least you have an illusion of having some sort of, like, mandate here to do this.
1: (laughs) The illusion of parental support.
2: Yep. I also just now realized in my notes whenever I abbreviate Swiftwind, I write it as SW and I'm like, oh no, why is Shadow Weaver here wanting to talk to, to, to Angela? And it's like, wait, nope, other, other SW. <laughs> because yeah, as they're uh, heading off, uh, Swiftwind wants, like, stops to like briefly to be like, when we get back, we're going to have a talk about all the horses you have in your stables and getting them freed, but they just pull them away and he, it's, it's kind of goofy that he's like, hey, hey, I'm talking to the queen here as he's just being pulled away. <laughs>
1: I really love Swiftwinds in this first episode. He's Swiftwind is revolution in practice.
2: <laughs> He's he is a very uh, queer colored horse, and meanwhile does not actually come across as queer himself. <laughs> Although yeah. we don't know. I mean, as we established, everyone is trans in the series. Was Swiftwind all was Swiftwind uh, trans as soon as Adora gave him sentience? <laughs> uh,
1: maybe. Did i don't really a get
2: this into this horse that's what i'm asking
1: <laughs> I, I don't really get the sense that swiftwind is trans he's like the only character i don't get that off of but he, he he's extremely abolitionist he no cops no prisons yeah exactly and regrettably that's not always going to be his mindset but i love him here uh... for that
2: they they could have had the like side plot at some point where he's actually trying to overthrow angela because her angela because she is a fucking queen like no gods or masters only horse
1: i will say it's not the same guy but the voice does sometimes come across like somebody doing a seahawk impression so
2: yeah yeah i have his voice actor here it's definitely not the same guy
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah he's just got that same sort of inspiring adventure thing going yeah, on
2: yeah he's, he's got the same like they went with they found two guys that had different levels of bravado with their delivery yeah, for yeah. sure <laughs> yes uh, continuing on uh, over at the fright zone catra is like called into Enchata's prison slash lab at this point with an update on the data crystal And it's a pretty goofy bit here, too, because, like, Entrapta just says she's basically been swiping, like, tech and computers and stuff from people's rooms while they're not there to build, like, like basically recreate her lab from her castle, I guess, in order to analyze it. She's like, well, you know, it it was stuff from people's room, but they they weren't there when they took it, so it's fine. (laughs) Don't worry about it. But yeah, uh, she, in her like research here, she's confirmed that the first one's deck is partly bioorganic in nature, and like Katra uh, just is like, you're gonna have to explain this to me easier. And she's like, well, uh, Scorpio gets it because Scorpia's like freak, like frantically taking notes, mm-hmm. but it's a pretty funny goof because Catra's like, she's just doodling stick figures holding hands, and then Scorpia shows them her uh, like master, masterful artwork of the super pal trio as she calls them because they're all just there hanging out, hang, holding hands as uh, stick figures.
1: Yeah, it's like Entrapta says it in an extremely techno battle way, but basically, it, what it boils down to is that the first ones tech are living machines, and because yeah. they are partly biological, that's why they can channel magic. It's because magic works through living things, not inanimate objects normally. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, <laughs>
2: not, it's not really the most complex explanation based on how she describes it. It's just i guess it's like i have an intelligence modifier of like plus one please explain this to me the way i'll get
1: <laughs> yeah i mean you know it, it's definitely not difficult to follow it's just that she says it very fast and she uses words that are a little bit bigger than they need to be you yeah. know yeah she's mm-hmm. kind of got some billy from power rangers thing going on
2: yeah she, she's like varsuvius from order of the stick where it's like yeah she has to do like the very long like explanations of things when it's like you could have easily just explained this and like two sentences at most, rather than multiple speech bubbles. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
2: But yeah, uh, she does try to like explain slower for Catra's sake, but it just kind of pissed her off. <laughs> but basically, the gist of it is, again, like, Etheria was radically changed by the first ones based on what they've done here. Uh, this is also going to be like a bit of a strange one, because we kind of just cut back and forth between Light Hope explaining stuff to Ad- Dora and to explaining stuff to Catra. I guess Scorpia, but I don't think Scorpia is really paying full attention anyway. So, <laughs> my notes here is a bit strange, but I'm going to do the best I can with this. Because uh, Light Hope explains that she was made by the First Ones as Etheria's facilitator, and that the First Ones came from space specifically to build this fortress that they're in for Shira. Like, she straight up refers to it as a fortress, even though it looks more like a temple than anything. It's not like mm-hmm. a big castle or anything. And also tells Adora that she's the 1st Shira in a thousand years, Uh, but over, back with the super pal Drio, who I'm always going to forget how to say that, to it's going to take a bit. And uh, Trapta explains that the entire planet is first one's tech, basically. Like, they, they basically just completely changed and fucked up the entire planet, I guess, in a sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but Light Hope continues explain that Shiro's mission is to bring the princess together because it's the only way to restore balance. So I guess she's just the avatar at this point, but instead of mastering the elements, she has to master uh, public relations, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but we cut back over where Entrapta has just like a like gl- mechanical globe demo of Etheria, which has like little like marks in it that represent rune stones. And explains that basically by tapping at the runestones with the first one's tech, you can literally hack the planet. She straight up says hack the planet. It's yes, kind of cute. Yes, she does.
1: <laughs> it's adorable. I love it.
2: Yeah. Does anybody in Ethereum know what hack? Well, no, I guess uh, I guess we established that Dora can hack. Yep. She yep, we sure see... did. Yeah. But does anybody natively native to Ethereum that's not a part of the horde know, aside from and try to know what hack means? <laughs> Very uh, possible no. they do not. I don't know but yeah uh Scorpius says that the uh Fred zone has the black garnet just because she's like talking about like how she would actually need a runestone to like directly tacked in to hack the planet uh which immediately causes Entrapped to be excited because they could use that as like a power source weapon or kind of whatever the fuck else they really would want
3: <laughs>
0: and
2: since this would obviously piss off Shadow Weaver it's exactly what Catra wants to do <laughs> So they start <laughs> to walk off to go with the Black Garnet, but Hordak's little Imp buddy, who, again, I'm pretty sure the name is just Imp, right? I don't think this guy has yeah, a name. Yeah, his, his name is Imp. Yeah, so Imp's has been, like, hanging down the rafters, spying on them, and reports back to Hordak, where he just mimics and trapped his voice, uh, where we don't see the entirety of it, but it's just directly implied off-panel that he hears the entire conversation that just happens. Mm-hmm. Uh seems is less imp-
1: efficient than security cameras, IMO, but you're going to yeah, do what you're going to well, do. I mean,
2: like, Imp is basically, like, a uh, homebrewed version of a Kenku, in a sense. It's a Kenku, but it's an Infernal species, rather than, like, a... Are Kenku humanoid? I think they have to be. Like, most of the races, the Playboy races, yeah, I are think humanoid. Yeah,
1: so. Yeah. Well, or not too. anymore. Not after uh, the re yeah, th- the rebook.
2: That's true. Uh, does Imp, anyway. ever, does Imp ever talk in his actual voice, or is this all he can do with talking? Uh, I don't believe Imp talks, no. Okay, I didn't think so, considering that, like, he immediately, like... He's not just being like, hey boss, I got stuff. It's like he's just yeah. repeating his voice. So, <laughs> I think he'll
1: just... sometimes like chirp and make like baby gurgles, but he doesn't talk talk, you know? Ah, I got gotcha. mm-hmm.
3: you. Yeah,
2: that tracks. Uh, but yeah, back over with Dora, She's just a bit fed up because she just wants to know how to heal, heal Glimmer. But Light Hope claims that the connection to the Rune stone was disrupted and that she would basically need years of training to master her powers. And she misreads Adora's statements to help Etheria, and stresses that her attachments to her friends are a distraction that would prevent her from her real mission, which, of course, is helping an entire planet sort of people rather than just a few people.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, fair.
2: Yeah. And then she shows her vision of Mara, the previous she and and the, the person that Raz mentioned way back in Episode 3. Again, we're going back to Episode 3 once more. And, apparently, uh, Mara gave in the fear because she struggled with the power and responsibility of being a, like, magic goddess in the flesh, I guess. Whatever she was really supposed to be. Uh, And, I'm trying to, like, figure out how Light Hope really phrased it, because she says that, like, when Mara lost control, she ended up trapping them in the dimension of the Spondos. I don't know if she's referring to, like, all of them, or just the first one. it's very vague
1: Uh, okay yeah but i can clarify this a little bit because i was going to talk about it anyway so etheria and its 12 moons exist in a universe that nothing else exists and this is despondos okay the planet and the 12 moons were in a bigger universe elsewhere but then Mara sealed them away inside this dimension. That's why if you remember the Raz episode, she talks about how there used to be stars and asks why there aren't any more. It's because the planet oh, moved.
2: That. Yeah, the planet's literally in the pocket dimension instead. Exactly, yes. Gotcha. How'd the Horde get here then? Were they on the moon?
1: Heck if I know. I mean I do know, <laughs> but I'm not gonna say.
2: Fair. I guess I'll figure out uh maybe like thirty episodes from now. <laughs> I don't know to spell Parking based on like, this This feels like this would be something that they addressed like late in season three or early in season four, maybe <laughs> I'm like, yep, OK, okay we're going to actually t- bring back this. But I d- definitely did not remember this part when I watched this uh, episode first, uh, like four years ago. <laughs> yeah, it slips by real fast, right? <laughs> yeah, no, like and, like when she was explaining, I was like, wait a sec, hang on, back up. What the hell did she say? And it's like the okay. dimension of the Spongebob was like, what? <laughs> I had to literally Google that to see like how you spell it just for my notes. I didn't look at anything else in there. But it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, okay, wasn't expecting them to be like, yeah, we're in a fucking weird-ass pocket dimension that uh literal, like, space sword wizard did. <laughs> Whoops. But yeah, uh, moving on. Since Adora is the first hero in a thousand years, Light Hope can't let her focus on her friends over the planet, which, again, fair. <laughs> but Adora basically is just like, why can't I go help Glimmer and then come back here? and uh pulls a really shitty move and tries to manipulate her with more visions of her friends in pain being like oh you feel responsible for this don't you and it's like yeah asshole fuck you <laughs> fuck you hologram Yeah, uh, you know what this
1: really reminds me of is the uh, avatar episode where the guy tries to get ang to not care yeah, about his friends yeah, anymore
2: it's this, this, this exactly what i thought of also like when yoda is trying to get luke to stay in uh empire strikes back and it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, that's why one of the things I mentioned in the tweet, that is, this uh, recording is like, no mentor figure that has ever told a protagonist they need to let go of their friends and emotional attachments to do what's right has ever actually been right themselves. Because all <laughs> the. I mean, to be, to be fair, Guru Patik is kind of correct because Aang still needed the Avatar state to beat uh, Ozai in the end. But he didn't have to let his friends die to get there. He accidentally just got smacked with a rock in the back. Yeah, for sure. But it's like, he didn't have to let his friends die in order to do that. Like, Patik was being like, you need to just let them all fucking die, my guy. <laughs> I was like, no, you can have it both ways, ang. You just have to get lucky, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, very much the case, if he didn't get hit by the rock, he definitely would have died. He was fucked <laughs> if he didn't have that. Huh. But it's like, I mean, Yoda was wrong until like, and then like, I mean, they were like trying to be like, oh, well, I guess maybe Yoda was partially right with the revisions they did in fucking Rise of Skywalker with Luke being like, I was wrong about the Jedi needing to be gone. They need to be here. And it's like, fuck you. No. <laughs>
1: OK, I need you to tell me honestly, do you want me to talk about Star Wars right now?
2: <laughs> <laughs> if it's a quick tangent about Star Wars. <laughs> OK.
1: Um, This is a thing that's been touched on back and forth all over Star Wars history, but the the thing about the Jedi is that they're wrong. The whole Jedi Order was wrong the entire time. And that's what (laughs) Yoda is trying to teach Luke when he's trying to teach him the no attachments thing. Luke, in allowing himself to care for his friends but not falling, is the first true Jedi in like 10,000 years or something. And just Yoda has no idea because he was brought up inside that you know, that absolute, essentially emotional fascist landscape.
2: Yeah, he, yeah, he was for nine hundred years. Yeah, yeah, like he he was a member of the nofap community for nine thousand years, <laughs> nine hundred years, whatever it was.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, like, even by the time Yoda joins the Order, their purpose, their whole dogma has already been corrupted the, the whole point of star wars is that that is not the right way to live and has not been for a very long yeah. time but jedi are cool guys so we kind of skim over that
2: yeah i mean it's much like how it's like oh yeah like anakin isn't technically wrong to have attachments it's just that anakin is a dipshit <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, it's, like... and, and has a fucking inside check of minus three somehow despite Despite them being, like, uh, fucking, like, warrior, like, clerics or whatever, it's like, they, they're they close enough to that, I guess. It's like, somehow, some some way, he has, like, a stupid, like, homebrewed version of the cleric class where he needs no wisdom and made it be his dump stat.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, like, that is the tragedy of Anakin is that he's... Got very real emotions and if he just had someone to talk to it would be cool but because yes. his stupid order refuses to allow emotions he mm-hmm. can't because yep. if he did talk to someone he'd be punished for them it's like
2: well hey uh they mean i mean most of them died as a result so i guess they kind of got what was coming to them if they didn't bother to actually like talk to anakin about his feelings
1: <laughs> yeah and especially because like if this is a little bit um extraneous material but You go to the Clone Wars, Obi-Wan very clearly knows that Anakin and Padme have something going on. Like, he never mentions it, he never brings it up, but he's obviously willing to look the other way when those two get in a room together.
2: You would would definitely think that people would start to wonder how it is that uh, Padme ends up pregnant and nobody ever talks about who the dad might be.
1: (laughs) Especially when you've got a bunch of mind-reading super warriors over here.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and and one in particular hangs out with her all the fucking time, it's like, hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Gee, <Yeah>. I wonder <laughs> I wonder if it might be the guy that Obi-Wan literally had to talk to him like a few years ago about how it's like, you shouldn't be as close to the uh, senator as you are, Anakin <laughs> It's like, hmm it takes me too long until like Padme's like eight and a half weeks pregnant to be like maybe Anakin is the dad
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean That, that yeah. was yeah. We don't really see it in the movies, but that was Qui-Gon oh. Jinn's whole thing, is he wanted to go back to the old Jedi ways and allow attachments and If you get into the EU stuff, he had girlfriends and people he cared about and loved, and that's why he never was allowed to get onto the Jedi Council. Was because he was too radical for them.
2: I mean, hey, I mean, even in Episode One, like from what you actually see of him, he's very much like "fuck you." I'm going to teach this kid anyway. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) But it's kind of going to get me killed in a sense. But hey, I'm going to do it.
1: (laughs) That that's that is the point of Star Wars, and I think a lot of media has tried to take that no attachments thing without realizing the critical implications of it. Is the whole point of this rant?
2: Yeah. (sighs) Raising Skywalker is bad. (laughs) That's like yeah, you see them attach like address that stuff a bit in those first two of the sequels where it's like yeah no this is all stupid this is bullshit the Jedi and the Sith are dumb and nonsense and fuck all that shit and then they're like very much like but what if we actually did focus just on that again and be like <laughs> but the Jedi were right all along and we're gonna have Luke be like I was wrong to be disenfranchised in the previous movie I totally am not having to say stuff that uh, was written by a completely different asshole. <laughs> Uh,
1: mm. uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that tweet floating around, but there's a thing from IMDB about like adult warnings for that specific for uh Rise of Skywalker or not Rise of Skywalker for um Last Jedi. And one of them is Luke milks a creature and drinks its juice. And I just He sure
2: does. He sure does, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's also a description of Rise of Skywalker, you know. <laughs>
2: No, Disney marks also, a creature and drinks it's true. Yep. True, true. <laughs> Very true. It's just in that case it's the director rather than an alien sea cow thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Uh, God, I'm just not remembering like the shitting and grin he has at Ray when he does that. <laughs> uh, Mark Campbell is a sham. I love that Mark Campbell has not actually like revealed himself to be a complete piece of shit and he's like fully yes. like supporting like trans people and everything. He's a good guy, like one of the few (laughs) people that have like been like, oh, had such a big spotlight in society wise on him and he's not been a dick. (laughs) Well, he's a dick. He's a dick to the people that deserve it, aka Nazis and other shitty people like that. Yeah, (laughs) which is, yeah, you should be shitty to Nazis because they're Nazis.
1: Okay. Um, okay. Well, that was Star
2: Wars talk. Thank you for letting me indulge. Um, Yep. (laughs) More more Star Wars talk every every week. I'm gonna have to
1: come up with segment theme music or something.
2: <laughs> it's just uh, uh, oh, if there's like a fucking uh, you remember the the bit that somebody posted of like uh No Man's Sky when it first released, where it's like it's a Jurassic Park sequence, but then it shows like the weird wonky dinosaur and it's the person playing the shitty like Jurassic Park cover on the recorder. Oh, there's yeah. some like if, if there's something like that of somebody playing a shitty cover of the Star Wars theme on the recorder. It's about to definitely be that. <laughs>
1: Uh, I tell you what, I'm pretty sure I can do the Star Wars theme on the bagpipes, so I'll work that out. And...
2: <laughs> that will work. <laughs> Don't have to give credit to anybody if it's just yourself doing it.
1: Exactly. No yeah. idea how to record it, but I'll figure that out.
2: Maybe we got phones, we got computers. It shouldn't be that hard, I think. <laughs> but yeah, we should probably get back to uh, She-Ra, because I still have, like half my synopsis there. <laughs> yeah, She-Ra. Yep. Uh, back over at the Super Pal Trio, they're building a machine of some kind around the Black Garnet, and, but Shadow Weaver interrupts them, and and Catra gloats that she's allowed to just do whatever the fuck she wants at the Black Garnet, and like Shadow Weaver's like, by whose authority, and of course Hordak's been listening on the Skype call just with his uh, fucking camera off and being like, by mine, you asshole, <laughs> because he's here on the fucking call, being like, yeah, I gave Catra and her team permission to carry on with this experiment based on what I learned about it, because it sounded interesting to me and he's like very just fucking displeased with shadow weaver's interruption and he's happy that entrapped is tinkering as shadow weaver puts it has boosted every weapon that they have so she has full permission to go nuts with their stuff since the black garnet is also his to give or take because scorpion's family gave it to him not shadow weaver so screw shadow weaver <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, and also, because he also explains that Shadow Weaver has basically wasted the Black mm, Jarnets' potential on like nonsense shadow tricks and everything like that. When she's like, I'm the only one that's managed to unlock its full potential, and it's like, yeah, you've wasted it. <laughs> <laughs> like, you use it to cast fucking like shadow puppets and stuff. You don't really do much of anything useful with it.
3: Yeah, but, he's um, not wrong.
2: Yeah. But she goes apeshit and just like tries to blast him away and breaks all the monitors and stuff. Yeah, uh, but she's able to only like restrain uh, Scorpion and Enchapta because they don't have like, I guess, good deck saves against this weird whole person version. She has a very like strange homebrewed version of whole person, I guess. Since yeah, I mean, Catra can just like jump away from it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like while this is going on, like Catra's just that's that it's like, yeah, but I've like focused on like how you fight and act, lady, and I can easily just kick your ass here, which she does because she just like jumps at Shadow Weaver's face and breaks the star in her mask, the robber of her powers, which. I guess, so this is something I only thought of after the episode, because, like, I guess because the Black garnet is actually not, like, a, like, family runestone for Shadow Weaver, that's why she needs a little bit of the shard in her mask to actually use it.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, as far as I know, what that allows is, essentially, she's channeling power from the runestone through her mask, which is yeah. letting her, because she's a sorceress, right? So yeah. I think she's using she's a that. Warlock focus to like artificially draw power from the rune stone yeah,
2: essentially it's like i mean in the previous episode we saw her face but it's all fucked up so it's probably because of her using it and also like every time that we've seen her like go back to black Garnet she always seemed like fully drained like more so than any princess has been so far when they had to recharge yeah. so it's like it very much reads like it's like oh yeah it's something that's like kind of destroying her body but she's like i need more because yummy <laughs> first it was free and now she needs more all the time. <laughs>
1: The way you do.
2: <laughs> yep. But yeah, uh, Scorpio restrains are on catcher's orders and just tells Entrapta to go uh, full crazy with uh, like hacking into Etheria, which uh, the tr- machine activates and just fully sends a big shadowy like pillar into the sky. You know, that, that that's normal. Nothing to worry about there. Sure, that's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, over <laughs> with uh, Glimmerbow and Swiftwind. I don't know why I phrased it as the best run squad, because the door is not there. It can't be the full best run squad if she's not. Uh, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're the horse in... doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, sadly, he's his own person. He doesn't want to be part of it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they're in the Whispering Woods trying to find Adora, and they see a bunch of wildlife and one of those like big beetle things from the first episode run past them just flinging from something. And, God, I almost said Shadow Weaver again because I say SW here in my notes. And Swift Wind is feeling a weird presence from all the bullshit going on. But, like, Power's not being like, no, we have to, pr- we have to press on and get catch- and get uh, Adora. You know, he's got, like, that bit of, like, animal thing to, and still, I guess, despite being sentient. Which wants him to run away. Uh, but we've cut over where Entrapta is saying that the Black Garnet's power keeps building up, so things are gonna get real weird. Which, uh, it really ends up having a blizzard kick in, in the Whispering Woods, which the rest of the cast, say are like, never happens. <laughs> so, shit's going bad already. <laughs> uh, Swift Wind, like, is able to pinpoint where a door is because he sees the beacon of light from there. It's pretty obvious, and they head towards the beacon, but cannot get in until he also goes like, "Wait, I think I actually have a fucking magic key here in the form of my horn." So he uses it to like open up the door because <laughs> he can do that now too. And uh, apparently this is something we didn't see that happened, but Adora's just been like passed out this whole time in her little conversation with uh, Light Hope. She's not actually there in person because they find her just passed out on like a fucking like mat- like uh, crystal board kind of thing. Just asleep. Yeah,
1: not super sure about this. It kind of calls into question how much of the last episode was real.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, Catherine
1: definitely got that power or the, the, the gem, whatever that thing is. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I'm inclined to feel like pretty much the whole thing was real, and that just the falling into the abyss is where the, the yeah. dream started. But, but
2: that—that's where that's what I kind of read it as, yeah, like when she—I mean, because like she's falling through like that void at the beginning, and then she disappears, like standing on like a floor, just perfectly yeah. fine. So, I, so I feel like it's like yeah, she maybe like fell like two feet, but like got put into a trance or whatever as she did so. So that's why she didn't notice anything.
1: Yeah. So it, it, it's a little ambiguous, but
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh basically at that point like uh the various like spider robots are starting to descend upon them so uh like they start like well at least Bo starts to try to fight them off because glimmer still doesn't have her powers and swiffins like hang on i'm gonna try something and tries to also use his magic horn to open up adora basically to get into their into like the weird like mindscape to talk to her <laughs> uh in in the hologram mindscape whatever the fuck it might be uh yeah he does actually manage to enter and talk to adora by you know just like being like hey we're here to get you and the door is like well and and, you know she's trying to argue that staying away is for the best because she kind of just ends up hurting people by accident but shadow weaver god God, fuck i'm gonna i'm gonna have to abbreviate this as like s weaver and s win from now on to (laughs) keep myself up to date on what note i'm talking about with food (laughs) but uh yeah he argues that uh Bo and Glimmer are here to help her because not because she's She-Ra, but because they're she's her friend and like they care about her because of that. And Adora finally wisens up that she's not like the other She-Ras because she didn't choose this to fulfill some destiny. She chose this just because she wants to help her friends. And mm-hmm. she she is able to wake up from the little like trance that she's in. And the show cheats us again because the transformation sequence is not the full transformation sequence, it's just bits. But yeah, she does that really quick to beat the shit out of some other of uh, the bugs. And they all just, like, get on Swift back and bust out of the temple and, like, fly above the blizzard and everything and see the red lightning that's going off in the distance to get the, uh, the Black Garnet experiment as they're going off to return the Bright Moon because they're like, oh, shit's going down. We got to get back home. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And the episode ends with Catra and Scorpio like, walking outside to see, to look at the disaster they created. And Catra, once again, kind of, like, incorrectly gloats about how she can work with this and it's like captor can you really (laughs) like you're causing fucking global like uh warming or whatever the fuck going on (laughs) like you are causing so many uh natural disasters all at once can you really work with this
1: (laughs) i mean that's kind of her objective isn't it they're supposed to be like scourging the planet so
2: (laughs) Yeah, but also they don't have a different planet to go to because they're trapped in the fucking dimension. They might not know that, but like can That's they true. get can they get off the planet at all? Can they go the and moons. like can they get to the moons? Do they have spaceships?
1: I do not know.
2: <laughs> exactly. It's like I'm it's sure
1: Entrapta like, could put something together.
2: Yeah, I guess in a, like if she had time, but they're literally like breaking the planet together at the moment. So yeah. Who knows?
1: Yeah, this is. Um, I mean, we already talked about the Spondos thing. That's the big reveal for this episode. If I'm yeah, that and the previous Shiraz. So, I don't personally have a whole lot of notes beyond what we've already covered because we kind of got that, you know.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's basically like stuff like that, and like I guess also like ex- like the explanation of who Mara was. Considering we only got the the name dropped before.
1: Yeah. It like I don't think this is a thing that'll ever be answered, but like finding out that Adora is the first Shura in a thousand years, and that Raz remembers the stars definitely does mean that Raz is over a thousand years old. Yep. Mm-hmm. So definitely I don't good. know if it's just a thing her species does or what, but
2: I mean, she might be just like uh, this universe's version of like elves. They just live to be very old and for a long fucking time
1: yeah that could be but yeah um i don't think i have anything else for this episode do you
2: no not really i mean i kind of feel like i never really do on the episodes i like talk about because it's like i have everything i think of in my notes themselves
1: (laughs) (laughs) fair enough Then let's go ahead and move to the 80s comparison stuff, if we will, yeah? Because I actually do have some stuff to talk about this episode, since we got some more characters introduced. Stuff. Uh, I want to start with uh, Octavia, because she's such a minor character, she doesn't super matter. But uh, you'll notice in the classic show, she's just a green human with (laughs) octopus tentacles coming out of her back. Yeah. Uh, She's not that very much in the modern show. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, her whole deal was that she was essentially a sea princess, and her tentacles could, like, drain you of energy. So if you got got, then you were being energy vampired. Mm -hmm. Uh, She only ever showed up twice, so not a very big character even back in the day. No. (laughs) Uh, This one is going to be a little wild. So Actually, you know what? I'll push that back one. Uh, This one is easy. This will go real quick. Uh, Swiftwind. Swiftwind is a horse, and by that I mean he could not talk, <laughs> he was not sentient, he was just a horse.
2: He, he was still um, like a Pegasus, though, at least. He's, he's, uh, he's very less gay-colored back then. Yeah,
1: he was more of a pan-flag going on. But... Yeah,
2: I was about to say, kind of yeah, kind of a pan-flag there in the wings, but that was it, really.
1: <laughs> yeah, Swift he was Wind just
2: a... colored. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Totally regular horse who transformed when Adora did. It was like a back and forth thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Swift one we have in the show is just who he's going to be from now on. He will never go back to being a horse because that would be awful. Uh, yeah. You know, just existentially
2: speaking. Yeah, I mean, removing somebody's sentience and then turn them back into a mindless creature. Yeah, kind of terrifying.
1: But yeah, so in, in the original show, he pretty much just hung around and sometimes flew, but. I guess it's maybe worth noting that he was a breeding horse.
3: He had a mare and a kid. I don't know. Mm -hmm.
1: Don't want to think about that too much. Um, This is where it gets a little weird, uh, because Light Hope was a magical spirit who lived on top of a mountain in the Crystal Castle. In that much, they are similar. Uh, He was, and yes, the original light hope wasn't oh, okay
2: okay, so light hope is definitely trans then
1: <laughs>
2: uh, she had a thousand years, she had time,
1: <laughs> yeah, this is the best image I could find because uh you'll notice that he just manifests as a giant glowing pillar of light with no body
2: <laughs> exactly he, he, like uh you know light light hope is the most trans because she also got herself a body. <laughs> That she could get herself boots, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, you totally got to
2: Like, it's like but... I, I'm, a, I'm a pillar of light. I can't grow titty this way. I got to be a person. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, his main job essentially is to sit on top of the castle and protect the ancient magic of the crystal castle that was never really well defined, you know, 80s shows. And he could also open portals back and forth between Eternia and Etheria every time they needed a He-Man crossover, so that was his job. (laughs) And the last thing I'd like to get to for today, um, this is kind of two things rolled into one, but uh, here's Hordak. You'll notice that he has a Samus-esque cannon arm, Mm -hmm. but essentially Hordak showed up as a He-Man villain first. Hordak is the guy who taught Skeletor how to be evil and then Skeletor betrayed him and trapped him in the dimension of Despondos where he was <laughs> stuck for a very as, long
2: time. You do. Also, yeah. got I forgot that that was the old design for Shadow Weaver and even with a giant robot she still has just boob sock going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, for real. She just... Shadow Weaver's got the most titty. Oh <laughs>
2: Well, this one, I don't think the current one really does as much. Yeah, that's true. She's a lot more
1: waifish in the new version. Um, but yeah, so Hordak basically just hung out in Despondos for a few thousand years until eventually he managed to convince Skeletor to free him. <laughs> Because Skeletor oh, yeah, wanted yeah. to fight He-Man really bad and yeah, I, I wasn't no, getting anywhere, so...
2: I guess uh, you bring up that he was banished there by uh, Skeletor just because he betrayed him in a very, like, Starscream moves. Like, yeah, when you look at this old Hordak, he definitely has, like, bone imagery on his, like, uh, clothes and everything. But like Skeletor. Yeah, he
1: super does. And, yeah, so eventually Skeletor let him out as just, like, repaying some sort of old debt. And Hordak came back to conquer Eternia and hung out there for a few years, and then She-Ra showed up and kind of ruined his whole deal. But, you know. Mm-hmm. He was extremely more emotive than uh, modern Hordak is, because it, it was an 80s show, I guess, so you had to be a little goofier, but like...
2: Yeah. you had to be campy back then.
1: You definitely had to be campy back then. Um, I'm just going to drop one more image, and this will be it for me, because I don't want to take up too many. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is shitty eating green he has <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure that's definitely a megatron face <laughs> like i can ma- i can imagine that guy doing like the like yes compilation of megatron from beast wars
1: <laughs> yeah uh that's that's pretty much all i got in the old show entrapta was just straight up allied with the horde she wasn't like a princess who got left there by mistake. She was just on his team, but that's yeah. pretty much it.
3: <laughs> All right. Uh,
2: but yeah, I don't have a lot trivia-wise besides just, like, three voice actors, and two of them are pretty minor because I imagine they don't show up much, and also they don't have any credits because they're children, <laughs> so... uh, Yeah, uh, Little Adora is voiced by uh, Lala Nestor, and Little Catra is voiced by Juliet Donenfeld. They're voiced by their usual actors when it's like the more like twelve-year-old version of themselves. But yeah, when they're like the six-year-old flashbacks, there are these two other people. And like I said, they're they're both kids. They have like a few credits each, but it's nothing that like any of us really recognize. I feel, because it's like more mm-hmm. like the little little kid stuff.
1: Oh That's hi, cat! I
2: finally heard cat for one scream. Really? Yeah. Strange. I re- I only ever hear her bell and like the jingly stuff, but I never hear her now. But. Like until now, but hey, I definitely heard her meow.
1: That's so weird. She's in the other room.
2: Nah, I hear her better <laughs> when she's farther away compared to up close. Apparently, how but, strange. Yeah. Yep, cats are weird. Uh, the other, the only other voice actor I have this week is for Swiftwind, who is voiced by Adam Ray. Where he he's more of a comedian than a voice actor he has like some like minor credits and stuff like American Dad, Rick and Morty and Robot Chicken like kind of like just like one-off characters but the biggest that I could see of like him actually like playing a character character was that he was Slimer in the 2016 Ghostbusters and that's uh... kind of it he, again he's more of a comedian than a voice actor so he doesn't have as many like credits ever noteworthy
1: now I do have to ask Uh, there were two Slimers in 2016 Ghostbusters did he voice well, both I... of them?
2: I did not see 2016 Ghostbusters. It did not specify Slimer A or Slimer One or anything, so I assume yes. <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there was a Slimer and then he had a wife. So,
2: <laughs> oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, probably that. Fe- that feels like the kind of movie that they'd be like, "Oh yeah, voice both kind of stuff." <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
2: did didn't people not like the the 2016 one? Was that the girl one? Does that the one with the women? Sure is. Okay, yeah, I, I feel, you know, like, because I remember that. It's like, yeah, people didn't like that one, but also that's because people are sexist. It's like, I feel like that's more the case rather than the quality of the movie itself.
1: Yeah, that's gonna... Okay, now it's time for me to talk about Ghostbusters. I need a new section noise. Um, I love Ghostbusters. You might have figured it out by now, but it's super easy for me to fall into franchises. And... The simple fact of the matter is, between the four movies that have been made, Ghostbusters 2016 is the best Ghostbusters. And I know there's people who are going to get mad at me for saying that. I know there's people mm-hmm. who are going to disagree. But the simple fact of the matter is, they're all kind of bad movies. <laughs> they're they're held together by the yeah. power of the cast, you know. It's all charisma. Yeah.
2: Like yeah, they are very goofy dumb movies in a sense. I mean like the second movie literally is about like goo that feels people's emotions because of a like guy in a painting. Yes.
1: It's so good. It's amazing. But you have to accept it at the level it's at. You can't treat yeah. it like a good movie, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they literally have a joke about like one of them uh having sex with a ghost in the first one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> damn, like, hey,
1: well <laughs> kind of. Dan awkward dream said he got a ghost blowjob it doesn't actually happen um okay yeah still
2: close close enough i don't think that's how ghosts work because ghosts are incorporeal they are to mean to be fair they would not actually be like properly like stuck in a containment field unless it was actually like some like specifically designed bullshit but i don't think that these four idiots would be able to do that
1: (laughs) i mean in ghostbusters ghosts are very tangible so
2: okay fair but most most yeah. of the time in media, ghosts are not tangible.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, I've done the deep dives. I know all the Ghostbusters science.
2: Yeah. Um, Am I now kind of yeah, just realizing but... that? I'm kind of now just realizing that probably the reason why in the Luigi Advancing games you have a vacuum is because it's straight up just like a reference to the proton pack in a sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so what I'm trying to get at here is just that as much as people fondly remember the old ones, the, like the original ghostbusters Ghostbusters in eighteen eighty nine is about a sexual predator who uses the fact that a woman is being stalked by a worse sexual predator to get into her house. That's mm. the plot of the movie, and yeah, it comes across okay because Bill Murray is charismatic, but the the rest of the plot is just kind of tacked together, yeah, so it's people have fond memories. I like the movie, but It's not some sacred cow, and Ghostbusters 2016 is anything but a travesty compared to it. It is, at the very least, a coherent plot.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like, when you also think about the fact that, like, in the second movie, they're, like, trying to make the Ghostbusters go bankrupt and all, when it's like, you already have proof that these people are not full of bullshit, and making them go bankrupt is just going to get a lot more ghosts running around, because you're just going to free them from the containment field. It's like, why Why the fuck would you do this?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. The most realistic thing about Ghostbusters to me is the fact that after Walter Peck gets the EPA to shut down that machine in the first one, he still got a job in the second because there was no professional blowback. <laughs>
2: uh, Just too accurate to the real world, I guess, in a sense. Uh uh-huh. yep. yep. People in power can fuck up as much as they want and they never actually get uh, fired or anything.
1: And in the extremely good Ghostbusters comic books, uh, he winds up being the city's liaison to the team. <laughs>
3: Yep, that's Rex. But yes, um,
1: honestly, as much as I love Ghostbusters 2016, the Ghostbusters comic books are the best Ghostbusters. <laughs> they accept everything is canon and run with it. It's great. Hmm. The video game is there. The extreme Ghostbusters are there. The 2016 Ghostbusters are there. It's everything.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, that yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> mm
1: hmm. And I'm gonna stop talking about that now because I'm info dumping. <laughs>
3: <laughs> also fair.
1: Okay. Um. Did you have any other trivia?
2: Nope. Uh, that's all. It's really just these like few voice actors. Which again, I probably could have easily just skipped the uh the young catcher in the door because they probably only show up like once or twice more in the rest of the show, I'd guess. And also, they don't really have credits.
1: I honestly don't have a guess for that. So uh, let's hope you're correct.
2: <laughs> well, um, I mean, hey, knowing our track record, I'll be fucking wrong and they'll show up like six times before I finally concede to cover, uh, like, well, no, I already covered their voice actors. But knowing, knowing our luck with how much I was like, oh, Viny and Turbo and characters, they'll come back and then they show that multiple times. And especially also with Tibbles, where it's like, yeah, no, they'll show up like five times more now because I said this. <laughs> We already mm-hmm. established that Nate is also listening on the podcast, much like Dana, and is changing the show as we speak, so it's going to happen now.
1: Oh, is that what's happening? I thought Nate was time-traveling to make the podcast wrong.
2: One of the two. I forget when we established <laughs> <laughs> uh, listening in okay. for sure. <laughs>
1: Alrighty, well, um, let's go ahead and move on to questions then. If you have questions for us, you can send them to us at usweirdoscast on Twitter or usweirdos at gmail.com. Chloe usually posts a question post the day we record. Today, we have questions from our champion question asker, uh, Aurora Borealis, at Casey Cosmos on Twitter. Uh, first off, which cartoon characters from shows you watched as kids were the most gay? (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh phoebe from hey arnold because she definitely was interested in helga is what i'm gonna guess because i'm trying to remember honestly based on like like i'm trying to remember like a lot of shows i watched as kids but it's like phoebe definitely always read it to me it's like they kind of like pushed a lot of her being interested in gerald instead in the show but it's like she definitely like oh okay i guess what i'm more thinking of is uh fucking god what's uh Is it isn't it Marcy the character from Peanuts who always hangs around with uh, Peppermint Patty? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, Marcy Marcy is Marcy is the most Marcy is definitely the most gay for Peppermint Patty.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding.
2: Yeah, Um, I'm I'm pretty sure actually this is also it's like Dangan. I read uh, I think it's called Dog Meets God. It's a like Boof kind of play about the Peanuts kids like ten years later. And it's it deals with a lot of, like, heavy shit. Like, literally, like, the first... It opens up with them at, like, Snoopy's funeral because he got rabies and killed Woodstock. And <laughs> it's like, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> this is <not laughs> how you're going to start, huh? Okay. It, it just gets... It gets even more fucking real from there. It deals with a lot of stuff of, like, Charlie Brown realizing he's, like, gay or bi. I forget which one exactly. He's definitely smoothing Schroeder at one point in that. But they basically, like, had to, like, change up the character names enough where it's, like, Schroeder is, like, uh... Oh, God. He was, like, a different, uh, is he the shredder?
1: Tell me he's no, the shredder. No,
2: no, it, He's not. He's not Mozart. He's like a different like uh, musician. But it's like everybody refers to Charlie Brown as CV. But I think I actually remember in that that it's like straight up that Marcy and Pepper and Patty are gay.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, there's been a lot of speculation that they were meant to be in the comic strip too, but it's hard to say for sure. So
2: yeah, I mean, I mean the Peanuts comic strip started like what 1940 or something like that. It's like been a while so it's like yeah they probably couldn't really get away for back then well
1: that's the thing is that charles schultz was aggressively progressive in his comic strips like
3: hmm. i don't know
1: if he was the first but he was one of the first comic strips to have a black character in the daily newspaper so oh, fair. when he introduced I mean, franklin yeah
2: yeah I, I guess i never really heard that about uh, charles schultz apparently being like one of the more progressive guys at the time yeah, but again, that sure. like, you say that's like, yeah, like Billy Franklin is like the only black character in all the Peanuts, like everybody yeah. else is white. But it's like it's it's at least something for like 1940s or 50s. Whenever that uh like comic strip premiered. Yeah,
1: yeah. he got his start drawing um, World War Two propaganda cartoons, as I recall correctly, and then spun off after the war. So it would have been late 40s, I think.
2: Uh, actually, I just looked it up. Uh, apparently, Peanuts debuted on October second, nineteen fifty. Seventy 72 years ago, almost. <laughs> oh God, Peanuts have been around for a fucking long time.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's, it's I, good.
2: Yeah, I guess actually, now I think about it, Peanuts it's like kind of one of the shows I watched the most as a kid too, because it's like I used to really like watching the uh uh summer vacation Charlie Brown special. It's like a, that, that, like mm-hmm. extra long. Thing where they're doing like the raft race and I'm always like, why would anybody running this fucking camp let these shitty kids and their cat have a fucking motor on their like supposedly handmade raft <laughs> and not do shit about these kids being shitty all every time. Oh it's ra- race for your life, Charlie Brown. Yeah. Not it's summer not summer vacation, Charlie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah I, yeah, I used to watch that all the time as a kid when they aired because it's like, yeah, it would be on, it would just be on TV a lot of times. It's like, fuck yeah, let's watch Race for Your Life. Charlie Brown's like the third time this week. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm trying to think of like other stuff besides like that and Hey Arnold that I could really think of.
1: Uh, the one that springs to mind for me is Blue from Blue's Clues because she's definitely a lesbian, even if she is a dog. Because um, Blue's in love with Magenta and Magenta's also a girl. So. <laughs> Uh, Mojo Jojo from the Powerpuff Girls is 100% an ace trans man. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, Yeah, I I realize the question was the most gay, but Mojo is kind of the opposite of that. He's trying,
2: yeah. I mean, we 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 use gay as like a shorthand for like even Luce and amity, where it's like you know amity's gay, but loose is bi. but like everybody's, yeah. like yeah, like everybody calls it gay because it's just gay. It's cute. It's like yeah, we yeah. understand we understand what we mean when we say that they're gay for each other. It's like loose is by. We understand yes <laughs> I, I feel I feel like we're allowed to extrapolate with this one with this two as well because it's like I mean, for the most part, we've been like, oh, yeah, this character's definitely gay. It's like mojo was the only one that we've kind of broke away from that, yeah. Uh, I'm just um, trying to really think about other things I watched as a kid. Uh, I mean, I don't want to include SpongeBob because, like, SpongeBob is more of that as a teenager, and also because, like, nobody in it is like really gay, because like SpongeBob is just like Ace Arrow basically. But mm-hmm. also, I feel like that's Nickelodeon trying to be like, please don't draw rules 34 on SpongeBob in a sense that, <laughs> we know it's gonna happen anyway, but please don't. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah. Um.
1: I mean, I guess, I guess it depends guess. on how far you want to extrapolate, right? Because yeah. like, like, I mean,
2: if if I watched as a kid and also hadn't seen Korra, I would definitely probably say Toph. But like, I know Toph gets with two different guys to have two daughters, so I guess yeah. not.
1: Or like, um, the Powerpuff Girls, for instance, they're kids, mm-hmm. right? right? But yeah. they don't always act like kids, and. It, yeah. I hesitate to bring it up, but in the truly wild and awful live action reboot, they oh, I about that. <laughs> made uh, Buttercup a lesbian and uh, Bubbles was bi. So.
2: Was that the one that was on the CW that like the entire plot leaked and then they basically had to stop, the, like put the show on pause to redo it or something?
1: Yes, because everyone hated it.
2: <laughs> right. OK, I thought that was that same thing. God. What the fuck is they, going up the CW recently? <laughs>
1: uh, they've been destroyed. They were sold.
2: Oh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I occasionally see bits and pieces of what the fuck's going on in Riverdale, where apparently, like, a character brought back to life a bunch of people that died, like, because, like, I get that, like, there was, like, a little bit of, like, hints of, like, magic and stuff back in, like, season two or three or whatever, but now they're just like, yeah, we can just bring people back from the dead, and we beat the, we beat the devil and everything, and, it's, like, what the fuck's going on in this show now? <laughs> well, sure, Sabrina the
1: Teenage Witch came to Riverdale to teach Betty and Veronica yeah, but... how to be witches so they could bring Archie and Jughead back so... from the dead.
2: But also spoilers for *Tilling Adventure of Sabrina*. Didn't Sabrina die in the finale of that show? Different Sabrina. <laughs> sure, okay, I guess. Even though it's like still like they basically name dropped the town that she's from in Riverdale itself. I guess it's a different. Yeah, because she's
1: always from Greendale.
2: <laughs> I, I guess true, and also I guess because it's CW versus Netflix, so it's like they're technically they're different things. Even though like I feel like *Tilling Adventure of Sabrina* got greenlit because of Riverdale's popularity at the time.
1: Well, listen, Archie Comics has... No, no, yeah, so, no, the I. 50 I years, the most competent multiverse situation in all of comics
2: I, I, I do i have definitely seen like various things in there about like how other characters have like been turned into zombies and got better and everything so like i know that like shit has always popped off in there i feel like it's mostly just like the cw version that feels like it's like what the hell is going on here <laughs> especially because like i mean you remember back what that show started as where it's like it's a murder mystery in a small town and everybody mm-hmm. here is like you know just acts a bit strangely because it's like it's like modern time but also still like the 50s or whatever the fuck where it's like it feels like it's in the 50s but everybody has smartphones and computers still and then it's Let's like see. very yeah and then they started doing a lot of other stuff like mass murderer whose eyes change colors when they reveal who it actually is because they didn't actually plan who the murderer was back at the end of season one. <laughs> Oh um, god it, if you want if you want to see like more about the fucking bullshit of early riverdale uh, go watch the super ipad's wolf i think it was video on that because it's like riverdale is fucking insane
1: it's not gonna come as a shock but i've read a lot of archie comics because that's another one of my franchises (laughs) yeah
2: Um, i mean i i never actually like have seen any of the old archie stuff like the first like Like, I've seen bits and pieces of it, because, like, people in our Discord team will post stuff from it, too, at times. But it's, like, the most I've ever, like, actually, like, seen seen it was, I guess, Riverdale. But I wouldn't even (laughs) say that counts, because it's its own separate version of it.
1: It is. But the thing, like, I never really watched Riverdale, because I gave it two episodes. And Archie is allowed to change stuff, right? Because... Mm -hmm. As I've mentioned, they have the most widespread and effective multiverse in all of comic books and have had that for the past 50 years. But there are things that have to be consistent. And within the first three episodes of Riverdale, Jughead never once eats a hamburger and is interested <laughs> in girls. So the show is yeah. a failure. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Yes. I do remember those being people's criticisms of like art he's never been interested in anything but burgers. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. he doesn't need a burger. <laughs>
1: Bloodhead is canonically arrow. He's I, only I in don't... love with burgers.
2: I only ever watched the first season of that, and I do not remember him ever eating a burger. They're in Pops so often. They're eating other stuff and having, like, booktakes and stuff, but they never have me the burger from what I remember mm-hmm. season one. <laughs>
1: yeah, so... Okay.
2: God, if, I, if, I know if
1: relatively there... little about that show because they if, if, bastardized my boy.
2: Yeah, if if there wasn't that already, that Burger's at Pops podcast, which I don't know if it's actually continued at all, I would almost suggest rewatch Riverdale because of its insanity. But at the same time, no, <laughs> it's like it's too far gone for me. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think we missed that boat.
2: Yeah, I mean, because they're like on their last season and everything. Because like, I guess the show kind of got canceled, so they're like, all right, no more after this. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So, uh, the answer to your question, Aurora, is that everyone from Archie's Weird Mysteries is gay. Um, <laughs> I mean,
2: Aurora, Betty and Veronica uh, has just been gay for so long, right? I mean, it's oh, sort of
1: a yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, multiple different continuities, yes. Because they were gay in Betty and Veronica Meet uh, Vampirella and Red Sonja. And they were also gay in Archie vs. Predator 2. So.
2: You know, it shouldn't surprise me when you say that they had crossovers with Fred, Sonya, and also with the fucking Predator, <laughs> but and yet, I'm still like, okay, sure.
1: <laughs> I, I think am I'm not actually, exaggerating I'm, when I say I think, that. Wrong.
0: Hmm?
2: I think I'm actually now remembering, I think I do remember seeing a cover of RTV and the Predator, or whatever.
1: <laughs> so less, I did not like Archie versus Predator 1 very much. It's not super interesting to me. It's just a Predator slaughtering the wholesome cast of Riverdale. But like the classic I, 1950s yeah, versions. I mean,
2: <laughs> make, I mean, yes, you would expect it to go that way considering they are regular-ass people compared to a, space, a race of space aliens that can turn invisible and do nothing but murder people. <laughs> yeah. Was there well, ever an Archie versus Alien? If there's Archie versus Predator and Predator versus Alien... Was there ever Archie versus Alien?
1: Not that I'm aware of. Um,
2: I, I, guess, is, I guess for the that... appeal of Yeah, I guess well, the appeal of Alien is like it's like they're on a spaceship that you're trapped on because you can't actually really escape because it's space. So I guess if it's on yeah. Earth, it wouldn't be as terrifying.
1: Right. So like like I say, I don't like the first one very much because it's just essentially gratuitous violence. The only mm-hmm. thing that really interests me is the wild swing it takes at the end, because um uh, in those 50s comics, Dilton, the scientist character, could sometimes create wild and wondrous machines, and the end of that is everyone in Riverdale is dead, but Betty and Veronica trap the Predator in a magical machine and turn him into a new Archie, so they've just got him to argue over
2: for the rest of time.
3: <laughs> so that we was the really back, good thing we about the first back,
2: one. We could have brought back literally anyone, and we decided to bring back the guy we argue over. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. But what the second one is, Archie versus Predator 2 is, honest to God, one of the best comics I have ever read in my life, because it is about that same Betty and Veronica and their new Archie trapped in this Riverdale where nothing changes and can't change, and they gradually come to realize that they are comic book characters trapped by the very nature of the archetypes that they embody, (laughs) that they are a Betty and a Veronica. And so they have to escape this Riverdale, and eventually, like, their choice is essentially to be immortal and stay these characters who can't ever grow or change, or to be themselves, but become finite and end.
2: This is some fucking Rompa shit.
1: <laughs> is unbelievable.
2: Of like, just, oh, we thought we were just trapped in the school. Oh, wait, turns out a lot more bullshit's been going on than we thought.
1: Yeah, especially compared to Archie vs. Predator 1. They're, like, totally different series.
2: Uh, What a bunch of weird tangents we got on this episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure the Adderall was good for this show.
2: (laughs) Hey, I mean, we're still on, like, our, like, basically, like, our, like, rough estimate for how long each episode goes. We're good.
1: That's true. That's true. We just went way in different directions than normal. Yeah. Um... Okay, well, uh, Aurora also asked a second question. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we have we not were... gotten
2: to a second question yet. We spent like 20 minutes on one.
1: <laughs> yeah, we sure did. Um, this one I think will be pretty quick. If the power of friendship won't defeat the villain, what other powers can? And, uh... I, I just... Go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it's there is really one answer and that's the power of terrific violence yeah.
2: yeah yes exactly I was thinking of the same meme it's one that I see a lot in relation to like uh farland three houses because it's like it's adelgard's like plot to like plan to save the world with the power of fr- love and friendship and like pl- step one is you can't solve things with the power of love and friendship and then step two is the power of incredible violence you gotta say that's that's Edelgard's story and characterization especially in her in her route yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta go ahead and kill the Dragon Pope. Spoilers for time in Three Houses, I guess. Might want to put that on, too, as, <laughs> as, a, as a warning uh, for the episode. But I feel like I've done that before. I feel like I've talked about that in Three Houses enough as is. Also, it's a three-year-old game. If you don't know by now that the fucking church is bad, you haven't played a fucking JRPG to so know uh, the church is bad. <laughs> That's why guard did nothing wrong. <laughs> Except in all the routes where you don't actually sign up with her because she signs up with even worse people than the church to try to defeat the church. Ooh, <laughs> fun. Them. Yeah, it doesn't go great for her. I mean, nothing goes great for any of the characters in any route besides their own, except Claude. Claude is the only character that can actually make it out of the entire game alive regardless of what route you pick, but then you can actually decide to kill him in Illigarge's route, which feels bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to you you might accidentally have to kill hilda because you can't recruit hilda in her route and hilda definitely wants to gun for you and it's like no hilda please don't make me murder you you're like you're one of the best characters in this game <laughs> you're so lazy <laughs> and it's so funny to put you in the heaviest armor because it just makes you be like oh i'm all sweaty working up i like, swat and everything and it's like yeah because you're in the heaviest armor and you're lazy as hell that's why <laughs> hilda's great
1: <laughs> yeah no i mean i think that's pretty much the answer to that question um yeah, no, there's, like, really no other
2: answer here. <laughs> like, yes, the power of friendship won't do it all, all the time. You gotta resort to, like, uh, immense levels of violence.
1: That's a thing that I think I
2: really appreciate about a
1: lot of cartoons, with the Owl House especially, is that in modern cartoons, villains tend to get redeemed pretty easily, because yeah. they're cartoons, so you can't really do incredible violence to them
2: yeah yeah but i mean well with... hey andrew is redeeming himself, but you can still do incredible violence to that guy but then again he's got a robot body it's for amphibia <laughs> <laughs> so i mean yes you can still do incredible violence to him because he'll mostly be fine
1: yeah for, for so that's like, that's that's the thing i'm talking about with the l house though is just like there's no redemption for philip he's just a bad guy and they have to kill him yeah
2: yep and and then he gets splattered against the wall, and you're like, "Oh fuck!" Well, he's still fine anyway, in some form or another. But it's like he still you still see a man get fucking splattered against the wall.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: He's a goop man, but still. And but that's yeah, so the I get... that's a thing
1: that's going to be like an issue for me with Shira, not redemption necessarily, but like the princesses have these incredible powers, and Ghidorah is swinging around essentially, a monomolecular blade. Yeah. And nobody really it, ends up first.
2: Yeah, it's it's one of the things that you see a lot in, like, the Ninja Turtles cartoons, where it's, like, they, like, aside from, like, uh, well, I guess, actually, only half of them have bladed weapons, but they still never, you never see them, like, stab a motherfucker. They only, like, ever, like, disarm foot soldiers or whatever, because, like, yes, you can't show a Ninja Turtle murder a man, I guess. <laughs> Unless.
1: <Yeah. laughs> Oh, we're definitely going to see the princesses murder some people. It's just not going to be with bladed weapons.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be with magic power, so it's fine. exactly. Yep. But yeah, no, it's like, yes, it was very refreshing in Owl House to be like, yes, please do not go on the route of trying to redeem this guy. He is a fucking asshole colonialist who wants to murder an entire dimension's worth of people. Fuck him forever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure, and I mean, even in our house, we do still get the Lilith arc after she tried to drop loose into a spike pit.
2: Yeah, I mean, yes, it is a, it is still a very quick turnover between that and cool Aunt Lilith. <laughs> and, at the least, it's been it's been like about like a month or, or two since then, so it's like yeah, it's, she's had time. This yeah, is a this so. is a kid; she bounces back from stuff. Even yeah, sure, she
1: doesn't. does. That's that's how trauma works. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, it's uh, she, she's, she's fine. Don't worry about it. She's definitely not in a bad spot where she is now. <laughs> if all That's the stuff the through,
1: this bad girl can hold so much from <laughs> I
2: mean, yes, people, people talk about that a lot because, like, I mean, you think back to really small problems where she like straight up said, "This mama is ready for trauma." No, this mama was not ready for trauma. <laughs> she very much yeah. was not. <laughs> <sighs>
1: okay well that is all the questions we have this week so thank you so much aurora for sending that in but i've got nothing else so that'll leave it to i think uh you chloe for transformation count right
2: (laughs) don't make fun of me uh it's still zero it's not it's not since like episode three or four (laughs)
1: I promise you there is at least one transformation next week.
2: You told me... You, okay, that'd I mean, be fair, yes. It is the season finale, I would expect so. But it's like... <laughs> again, Nate is going in and changing this fucking show as we are watching it, and somehow magic did change the uploads on this pirating site I use because fuck Netflix. <laughs> Just to make it be that I have still at, like, three, I think the count was because it has not changed in weeks.
1: <laughs> Listen, I... This episode, our episodes today, left off on a cliffhanger, and I got annoyed by that, so I went on to watch my episode for next week. And from what I watched, there was definitely a transformation
2: sequence. Okay, good. At least I have assurances now that there definitely is one.
1: Yeah, but I cannot promise that between now and then, Nate won't go back in time and take it out. (laughs) Because now we've talked about it. Yep. So we'll see how that goes, I guess. We will. This podcast is just an amazing exercise in the Mandela effect.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I got um... enough.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, if you have enjoyed uh, the various deranged ramblings today, you can catch me on Twitter at patch underscore jacket. Uh, I definitely don't do the sort of long form conversations I've been having today because it's Twitter. But I, that's you know you have got a pretty good tenor of where I'm at. Ghostbusters, Riverdale, Star Wars, Archie. It's yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. And as always, you can follow me at Chloe Phil Chaos. Where I don't even know what the hell I've really been like doing these days on Twitter <laughs> at this point. Uh, I think it's still really more just like retweeting stuff. Like i I put out that I did put out that tweet about nonbinary awareness week because I forgot what the actual day itself was called but I remember that was that that was one of the uh hashtags going around to just like show the podcast and thats and everything so yeah. I did that, but, like, I'm trying to think of, like, what was, like, the last, like, like, actual tweet I really... All oh, right, the last one I actually, like, actually said anything was me retweeting the uh the goof somebody was making about how uh, Gruntilda wants to be the only 10 out of 10 stacked smoke show baddie in the world of talking crabs and bees where somebody, like, talking about <laughs> Banjo-Kazooie <laughs> where it just retweeted that and said relatable. <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: because you got to remember about the Banjo-Kazooie bimbo-vification machine. <laughs> I
1: never played Banjo Kazooie, so I can't remember that machine. But I guess I know okay. about it now. That
2: is it, huh? it, 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 like it's the scene that you see uh, if you get a game over because like the whole thing is that Quintilia kidnaps uh, Banjo's younger sister because she basically wants to drain the cuteness out of her, I guess. And she's like a little kid and everything. And basically, <laughs> if you get the bad and like the game over ending, she actually goes through with it and she basically just comes out with a giant like uh, breath augmentation and like a different face. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay, well, fair enough, I guess.
2: Yep. And then she becomes <laughs> just like a fucking like uh, skeleton in the sequel, and then literally just a head in a jar in the third game <laughs> because she spends like that's two the years. That's the opposite of Titty. Well, she spends like two years trapped under a rock to be fair between games one and two, and then I think her body gets destroyed again at the end of two, and that's why she's just a head in a jar in like a robot body. nuts <laughs> <laughs> and bolts. Um. Yeah, they. they- those games probably don't really hold up. I heard people say that there's a lot of stuff in it that's, like, kind of casually racist with all the mumbo-jumbo stuff. So, well, yeah,
1: When you say those yeah. words right there.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nothing Bolt, at least, does a better job of him, I remember. But also, that was, like, 14 years ago, so I could also be remembering wrong because that, that game was also not particularly good because it was, like... That That game probably would have done a lot better if they didn't just brand it with Banjo-Kazooie and just made it be its own separate thing.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we're in a really weird mood today, but it's been an interesting <laughs> show, and I appreciate that. So. Yeah, it's,
2: it's been it's been a weird podcast recording. <laughs> uh, I feel like we've for... I feel like we've talked less about Zira and more everything else combined at this point.
1: <laughs> I think you're probably right. Yeah, we'll see if it's the same way next week when we've got a, a season finale and a season premiere to deal with. But
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: But yeah, I think um, I've got nothing else. Have you?
2: Yep. I think we're all set. And
1: yeah. I'd say that means there's not much left to say. But uh, remember, That's us really weirdos have happen. to stick together. Yep. Bye. <laughs>